What's up, guys? If you're on Spotify right now, please follow the show so that you don't miss any future episodes and leave a five-star review. Thank you. Hey guys, just a quick note, for the first 20 minutes or so of this episode, you'll notice the very top of my head is ever so slightly out of the frame. The camera was off kilter, but we got it fixed at that point, and then the rest of the way, we were all good. Sorry for that inconvenience. Matt Cox, returning for round three. What's going on? We got a little little co-host here with us today, just, you know, special for you, your former, I guess you'd say like your fellow employee over at the FBI, is that how we'd put it by the time you were in prison? <laughs> We worked together for many years. <laughs> oh, did I? I actually met an FBI agent, former FBI, no, retired FBI agent, that interviewed the FBI agent that was on my case. Mm. Her name is Candace Calderon, and she had interviewed her, and she's going to try and set up an interview with Candace and myself. Oh, it will shit. never happen. Candace <laughs> never. despises me. <laughs> But I, you know, I, I did, I was like, oh, yeah, set it up. Yeah, I'll do it. Because <laughs> I know Candace won't do it. So. Candace has some serious sound bites from Matt Cox episode two from last year. There were, there were some good ones you had yeah. in there for sure. Yeah, she's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, water under the bridge. Anyway, so for people who are just tuning in, obviously we have who I call the G-Fote sitting across from me, greatest fraud of all time, Matt Cox. If you don't believe me, look up his Wikipedia page. It's all there. And riding shotgun, your favorite special agent, Jim DiOrio, in the building. Welcome, Let's go. sir. Woo, woo. Yeah, Let's go. In the house. So the way we did this, a lot of people have been begging for this third episode since the last one we did. I think we put out last August 2022. And you're uh, like, Becky, we are now social workers. No, we, we now work for the Salvation Army. I made a badge. <laughs> You know, it's really funny. I made a badge using my social – the picture on my social security um, – using the picture on my wanted poster, I used that picture on my social se- – <laughs> uh, on my Salvation Army badge. The badge said that I was a statistical surveyor. Begging? And begging. Dude, I get I get questions all the time like when's Matt Cox coming back? When's Matt Cox coming back? And so the first time I cool. brought you in was in like March or April – of 2022 and you were there you had to get a flight out at, at night and so we had to cut it off at like three and a half hours and the whole time you were rushing but you're like we're never gonna get through this fucking story dude you ask all you're very inquisitive i am inquisitive you're you're a very interesting guy so it worked out perfectly where we left off when you went on the run from the fbi and then the second time you're here i've, I've been caught right the I, second time was your whole time on the run we didn't even get to prison, oh, yeah. or we, we ended it with the cops literally arresting you. She goes, look, I, I think I fucked up. So what do you mean you fucked up? What does that mean? So I'm getting out of the car at this point. I'm walking towards my house, and three, maybe four black SUVs pull up and lock up their brakes, and a bunch of guys jump out um, in, all in black, you know, in vests, and start screaming, get on the ground, get on the ground. My first thought was, I'm being robbed again. <laughs> I'm getting like this has got Son to stop. This is really a bad neighborhood. Money's up there. <laughs> I'm not even in my house. So, uh, and then I see the it says Secret Service on the front of it. There, there are things in white. Oh man! And they're pointing guns and they put me on the ground. They handcuff me and they set me up and they brush me off and they said, um, they hold up a piece of paper and the guy goes, "Oh, I don't think it's him." He goes, "No, no, it's him. It's him." He goes, "No, man, look at him. Isn't he?" he goes, "No, look at his eyes. It's him. It's him." He goes, oh, it's him. He says, it is you, Mr. Cox, right? You are Matthew Cox, right? And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
unlike Becky, I wasn't gangster. I didn't hold out right 45 away. minutes to an hour. So for people who haven't heard Matt's story before, this sets up perfectly because you absolutely can watch these out of order. It's kind of like The Godfather 3, except the third one's going to be great. And you can hear about his prison life today, which is a wild fucking story. I, I know some of that. There's a lot of that I don't know because I purposely haven't really asked you about some of that. But the, the other two are easily the funniest episodes we've ever done. You, you are very gifted. So anyway, now that we set the deck, we leave off. You were in, I believe, Nashville, and you were – who was the chick you were living with at the time? Uh, Amanda Gardner. Right. Okay. And then it was Amanda's friend who, like, tipped off the cops, right? Yeah, that was um, – yes. Tina. Uh, oh, no. Uh, Trina. Trina. Oh, her name was Trina. That Trina. Hurts. That's a tough one. Trina's, like, what? such a stripper name. It, it's a real, you know. Yeah, she was – yeah. <laughs> she was she – was, She's a nice person. Okay. Who nice told, and told the police she did the right thing and she contacted the Secret <laughs> Service and negotiated a, a, a small reward, an embarrassing, mm. embarrassingly small reward um, to turn me in. Okay. Well, at the time, you were the most wanted fraudster in America. You had been on the run for a few years and you get caught. And this is not as simple as case happens, you go to prison. You were charged with like an insane number of indictments no what, what was the setup there well i mean i was i was indicted like three in, in four four different jurisdictions but then they consolidated them all to just atlanta why just atlanta because you know they can't not that they can't but it's overkill to indict you in florida and then charge you and sentence you there and then move you to Atlanta. And, you know, what ends up happening is you, mm. you know, you'd end up with 500 years. So instead right. they said, does one prosecutor want to just consolidate all of these charges, prosecute them in one place? You know, it's fraud. Right. So, so they, they did that. Not that they don't always, you know, I would love to say, oh, well, they typically do that. They, I mean, they typically do, but there are many occasions when, <laughs> when the guy is just such a bad person that maybe he's – you know, I know guys that just they have just these horrific crimes all over the United States and they don't separate them. <laughs> <laughs> so that you get 50 years here, 120 here, Oof. 60 here, 90 here. And next thing you know, it's guys got 500 years. Just and they do it just to make sure you can fight. Even if you could win them all, it'd take you 30 years to win them all. Right. That's what they did to Harvey Weinstein, I think. Right. Like they had his case yeah. in New York and then another in L.A. Yeah, it, I guess. I mean, I'm not sure what happened with Weinstein, but I'm saying, yeah, they'll they'll. So, but I got lucky. And why'd you get lucky? Because they just did the one they consolidate. And you, I yeah. But why did they, they do this for you? That's what I want to know. No, they. I mean, you know, typically that's what they do. Typically mm. that's what. Mm. Just because yeah. why would you have four different prosecutors working on a cleaner? The same, yeah. It's cleaner. Like it's, let's mm. let's wrap this up. And my prosecutor definitely wanted the the she wanted the um, media attention. She <laughs> loved the media attention. Like she's. A never, prosecutor loves media attention. Yeah, never had, never saw guessed. an opportunity, um, never missed an opportunity to talk in front of the camera. Mm. And ever. so, so you come back. Where did where were they holding you when you got arrested? Uh, Nashville. Like I went from Nashville. You know, I went from Nashville to, um, you know, to like I, I don't know. They they moved me from Nashville, held me somewhere, some state next to Nashville. I don't know. There's a lot. I'm, I was educated in Florida. I'm not sure what. <laughs> I don't think I could even name all the states. One of those square states around Nashville. Gotcha. Right. And so 
like Kentucky. I think they held me in Kentucky for Oof. like a week or mm. two. And um, <laughs> I just remember when they first put me in in this in this cell in Kentucky. Like there's like 20, 25 guys there, right? So you walk in there and they had me cuffed and they uncuffed me and I turn around. Were you shackled too? Did you have your feet shackled? Yeah, I was shackled. Like back then they put like the bo- – they used to have the black box. Mm. Like I'm like a white collar criminal. They've got this <laughs> this box, and I'm like I'm like Hannibal Lecter, and it's like I mean I filled out some we paperwork. Love, we bro. love doing that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's just fun. It hurt. I mean, it was just it was just hurtful. So, <laughs> but they uncuff me in this room, and I remember. I, so I by the time they uncuff you, and I turn around and look, and there's like twenty twenty five guys standing there staring at me. Oh. And and I mean I just remember thinking my first thought was this is when they rape you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought and I, one of the guys points at the TV and goes, "Yo man, you were just on TV." <laughs> and I was like, "What? You were just you like ripped off banks or insurance companies or something, right?" And I was like, "I'm looking, you know, I'm like, <laughs> what? Like it was just surreal." But uh, yeah, that's when I, I I remember I went to go use the phone. I don't know why this is funny to me, but keep in mind, you know this. I was raised upper middle class. I'm dealing with banking. Right. You know, even when I'm building houses, I'm dealing with general contractors, right? So I'm not dealing with the guy who can't speak English or that sort of thing. I'm dealing with a guy who's got a probably a college degree. So what ends up happening is I go to use the phone. And I can't figure out how to use the phone. Like, it's not like you just punch in the number, you know, and it doesn't, nobody, you don't know how to do it. And this guy comes up, this uh, black guy comes up to me and he goes, John Clyde Peeps? And I went, excuse me? John Clyde Peeps. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry? Like, I'm terrified. I'm like, I'm, excuse me? He's like, John Clyde Peeps, man, you peeps. And I'm like, I'm looking around and I'm, I realize that I'm sitting there thinking like, you need someone to, <laughs> to kind of, you know, to explain what's happening, what he's saying. He's speaking <laughs> English. Like, you're in trouble. And this white guy comes over. He's got horns tattooed on his head. So I'm like, you're no better. I'm just as terrified of you. Look at your fucking ass. You're insane. And he walks up and he's like, he's like, your people, man. I go, my people? And he goes, your family. Are you trying to call your family? He goes, I got this. And the black guy's like, got you. You know, like walks off. And he's like, you're trying to call your people. I said, yeah. And he explains it to me. And I remember thinking, boy, you are you are unprepared <laughs> for this experience. Like, How much were you facing at this time? Like double life? No, no. <laughs> it's 154 years. So, you know, so I feel like that's not life, although I guess it's it is probably life. I don't like think ever think of it as life, but my PSI, you know, the PSI. My PSI said 32 years to life when they mm-hmm. finally got done. Um, which I remember my probation, I mean my lawyer was like, she's like 32 years of life. She's like, that's ridiculous. You can't even get life for fraud. And I just like, watch me. I just, just <laughs> never made me feel good. There was never. I never had a. I never walked away from a meeting with her and felt like, yeah, this is good. Positive. Were, were you? So you had been on the run, like we were saying, for such a long time. Like, was there any feeling of relief, or were you just completely just terrified at what's going on? Just terrified. Like you know, everybody's like, oh, I felt so. I just felt like a weight was all taken off my shoulder. Like I don't know what. I don't know what your experience was, but I felt horrible. This was a bad day. It was a bad day. And I told you, I think I told you this the last time. Like, I remember the whole week leading up to me getting arrested. Um, Casino Royale was coming out, was coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and it was the new James Bond. What's his name? Uh, Daniel, Daniel Cray. Cray. Mm. So, and I was thinking like, wow, what a great James Bond he was going to be. And I thought this is going to be great. And I remember the whole week, Amanda was like, hey, listen, we're going to that festival, um, you know, on Saturday. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. But on Saturday, no, I was like, um, on Friday, we're going to Casino Royale. She's like, yeah, I know. And then something else happened. She'd go, hey, we're going to talk to someone. We're going to do whatever on Sunday. I go, yeah, that's fine. But on Friday, she's, I know, Casino Royale. Mm -hmm. And so I remember when I got arrested and I pulled, they patted me down, you know, they threw me on the ground and pulled me up and put the handcuffs on me and brushed me off and I'm standing there and they were like, you're Matt Cox, right? And I was like, right, yeah, yeah. And I remember my first thought was, I'm not going to be able to see Casino Royale. <laughs> I'm not going to make that. I know it. Like, I'm not even going to ask the, this guy. Ugh. But yeah, the Secret Service arrested me. I went, got locked up and they, within maybe, I was there maybe a week and then they moved me to... um Somewhere else, uh, like Mississippi for a few days. And then they Oof. moved me to – it was only ma maybe a week. And then they moved me to – I remember this – I'm not – we're not doing three and a half hours, okay? I'm, but listen, there was, there was a <laughs> guy – I remember there was a guy there and he said uh, – a uh, guy who'd been in jail before. And I remember he kept getting called to mail every day, getting two or three letters a day. And I was like, who's writing you every day? And he's like, oh, my ex-girlfriend. I broke up with her. I'm like, why? He's like, well, we were going to get married, but I'm going to do three years. Mm. I got arrested. He'd been, he goes, I've been down before. did five years before. Got out. Was driving somebody around who was selling drugs. He goes, I got roped into it. He said, I'm, I got three years. So I broke up with her. I'm like, what? And he would, and I only know because he was opening up the envelopes and he would look at the pictures and be like, and throw them away. He was constantly just tearing up the letters and throwing away, tearing up the pictures and throwing them away because you don't want other guys to get your pictures obviously right so and uh and i was like why'd you break up with her and he's like yeah because it's just gonna make my time harder and i go what do you mean he said he said okay so i washed guys the first time he's the guys that have the hardest time are the people that have a family on the outside mm. people that have a wife and kids he was like they, they they hang tight some of them will hang tight for a few months maybe six months. They'll come visit you. They'll put money on your books. He goes, but it's a one-sided relationship, bro. He goes, there's nothing you can do for these people. He goes, all you can do is call up and say, you know, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? Send me, uh, send me some books. Uh, I need money on my books. He was like, it's a total, he was, you, you're just, you're just a taker and a taker. He is. And the worst thing is he's like, my girlfriend's hot, bro. He was, she was, she's gorgeous. And he would show me pictures. He'd go, look, he's like, I don't want to be that guy on the phone. Who's going, where were you last night? Oh, Why yeah. didn't you answer the phone? What are you doing? He's like, I mean, mm. who am I? He's, he's like, I, I got myself arrested. I'm in jail. He said, my best bet is to cut her loose. I said, I'm cutting you loose. And in three years, if you are available, we will date again. We will hook back up. I want you to do whatever you want to do. Forget about me. Wow. He goes, and she's not accepting that. He goes, but she will. I go, well, maybe she won't. And he goes, listen, bro. He said, she's going to get lonely. He goes, 90 days from now, six months from now, he goes, she'll find somebody else. He goes, she's a good girl. It's not her fault. Like he really had a great attitude. Like yeah, I, it was awesome. depressing, but he knew. He said, my time will be so much harder if I'm worrying about what she's doing. He goes, and I'll destroy that relationship while I'm in prison. He said, by the time I get out, she'll hate my guts, even if she sticks by me. He said, the only people that keep their families the entire time, two people. And listen, when he said it, I just remember thinking, you're nuts. Absolutely right. Yeah. He said, if you are a multi, multi-millionaire, and your, your wife is 100% dependent on you, he said, guess what? She's going to be there the whole time. 
he said, or she's not American because American women will not do it. He said, now if she's from South America, she's going to be with you for five or 10 years. She'll do it. Mm. He said, I don't know if they're going to be off, you know, messing around. I don't know what they're going to do. He was, but I'll tell you what, they're going to be there for a visit. They're going to send you money. They're going to write you. They're going to um, uh, order you books. They're going to do everything they can for you. He said, nobody else. And he said, and she's a good girl. And she's, she said, he said, but she's an American girl and I can't do anything for her. And in six months, she's gone. Whoa. That's interesting. I was thinking about when you were talking, <clears throat> a big thing for us was obviously always wanting to get cooperation. And so one of the things that I would do is just look and say, hey, you're facing seven years. It sounds like nothing, but that's seven Christmases. That's seven New Year's, seven Thanksgiving, seven Easter's, seven of your kids' birthdays. Mm. That would get, that would strike home. Because what you said That's is horrific. Once you kind of look at it and say, you know what, I got to just separate and get through this, and I don't have to talk to anybody, including law enforcement or anybody else. But when you start making it real, that first Thanksgiving, okay, you know, whatever, that second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, it starts to get hard. That's what we would do. So if you're looking at, we're talking for opposite ends. Obviously, we're good friends. And we're talking from opposite ends, but that's a big part of it. So what you say there is the only way really to get through it, not just with the girlfriend, but the family. If yeah. I'm looking at seven years, I'm talking to law enforcement. I get that fucker to <laughs> I get that down to two years. How fast did you have that attitude? How, immediately? You, immediately. Bro, I, I about yourself or about other people though? That's what I'm No, really I about. I mean, look, I knew by the time I got moved, like I went through Oklahoma City. Have you ever have you ever been to Oklahoma City? I have been, yeah. Listen, these people could teach – they could teach the Nazi regime something, bro. What? I'm telling you right now. They have it down. We're talking about you're walking in in rows of four. Well, is it one, two? Yeah, rows of four, and they can strip your handcuffs off, and you're think, they're so fat. They are so efficient at moving these guys from the air. The airplane pulls up. It it connects to you know the – whatever that – arm thing is that connects you yep. get out you march in with your little hand with all shackled and handcuffed they strip you down the the marshals are so fast at it they give you <laughs> your bag lunch your assignment where you're going where your housing is where you're yeah. i mean it's they see medical they see you see everything you're in your cell within 20 or 30 minutes it's insane wow it's it's they're just that efficient you know they're doing it all day long but yeah so I so you were flying on Conair then, right? Yeah. What's yeah. that like? I mean, it's not like the movie, but it's not nice. I'm, I'm glad it's you, not like the movie. The fucking plane's it, coming down. It's not <laughs> nice. I mean, the marshals are, you know, they are, um, they're not gentle, caring souls. <laughs> I, they're not. That's what they do all day is just oh, Do you talk with around. them at all? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, no, I didn't. But the few people I saw that made the mistake of saying something like they had to go to the bathroom, like... You want to talk about their like they could care less. It, they and they're perfect at it. They're great at being able to make you think you're about to go to the bathroom. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, as soon as you get on the plane, you're gonna go. It's fine. Get, keep, keep, keep. No, no, but I gotta go now. I gotta. I, as soon as you get on the plane, you you get up there, sit down, sit down. As soon as you sit down, and we get taken off when we're in there, you'll go to the bathroom. And they, like they just boom, boom. But before you know it, you're just pissed. You're not going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. There's 300 guys on this plane or 200 guys. Oh, you had that many. Yeah, you're on peeing there. in your pants. These guys are just pissing in their pants. I didn't realize they usually move that much. They do, yeah. Yeah. And those planes are, you know, they're not in great shape. Look at this duct tape on the fucking wing. It's not as bad as Con Air, but it's, it's – and here's the thing, too. You it's don't not realize, as bad as Spirit. 
but it's, right. it's close. <laughs> well, you know what's funny I when you flew in on spirits. When you, I found <laughs> that's what we put them on. That's what we put them on. Chances are you've been here before. There's absolute chaos in the markets, whether it be oil or stocks. And just when you thought it was safe and interest rates were rising, new threats have come out of nowhere. Tensions are boiling from Asia to Europe. Two wars are happening simultaneously with no end in sight. And an election year beckons in 2024. Adaptation is the key to safeguarding your wealth. Have you thought about hedging your portfolio with gold? You should. It's not speculation, but insurance. And right now you need some insurance. Noble Gold Investments have been protecting investors from disaster for years with precious metals. So if you're worried, it might be time to take a fresh look at gold and silver. Gold is a proven safe haven shield for your portfolio and a volatility balance against uncertainty. Noble Gold Investments is offering a free three ounce silver American virtue coin along with its IRAs this month. If you open your Noble Gold Investments IRA or 401k rollover, you can claim your free coin today. To protect your wealth and retirement money, open up a gold IRA today day by going to www.noblegoldinvestments.com slash Julian Dory or by calling 877-646-5347. Once again, that's noblegoldinvestments.com slash Julian Dory. Remember, crisis brews, portfolios waiver, gold insulates. So secure yourself against the threats at Noble Gold Investments. So, you know, when you take off from a commercial flight, right? Like it's not bad, like the takeoff. Like these guys aren't taking off like that. Like they're having fun. Like they're just and they're boom. They pull that stick up and you're whoa. You're like, oh my God, I had no (laughs) idea that a fucking commercial plane could go straight up like this. I mean, it's almost, it's like, whoa. And the whole time it's straight up. And then when they land, it's a hard landing. Like it's, it's much, you don't realize how gentle, (laughs) how gentle a commercial air, air flight is until you get on Con Air. Yeah, well, I hope I never find out personally. No, I don't want to witness that. But you're you're in the middle, and and you are you're in the middle of this whole thing, and you're just trying to talk right away to to move down years. But you were running your whole well, ring. So like, what were you looking to talk on? Um, well, I mean, eventually, I I ended up going to you know they moved me back to Atlanta, mm. and they consolidated all my cases. Right. And um, the problem was this. The problem was by the time the FBI shows up and the Secret, sh- Secret Service show up, and I've, you know, of course, when I meet with my public defender, who is like a super nice person, right? She's like really nice, um, um, you know, did as, you know, did as good a job as she, as she could have. Like I, I didn't, I wouldn't, I didn't help her out. You know what I'm saying? It's not like right. she had like, well, we can go to trial. Like she can't go to trial. I'm guilty. <laughs> I'm so guilty. I mean, there's, there's, there's no way for me to even pretend that I'm not guilty, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, what ends up happening is I talk to her and she says, look, you're done. Like, that's it. You've got, um, you know, you're, you're looking at a, a tremendous amount of time and they're saying they first they said I had stolen like twenty six or twenty seven thousand twenty seven twenty six or twenty seven million dollars, and I was like that's not true. Well, I mean, first they said that, you know, anyway, it was like twenty six million. I said that's not true. We argued. We get it down a little bit to like nineteen million, and then it eventually gets down to like fifteen million. And so by the time the FBI, you know, and, and there's nothing I can do. She's like, you've basically your your only strategy is. You take essentially 30 years and change, 
um, because bank fraud, the maximum bank fraud sentence you can get if they consolidate them all would be 30 years. But I also had aggravated identity theft, mm. which is an extra two years. So I had 32 years to life. And that could be per event, right? Like the aggravated, yeah. but they don't do but that. But I pled guilty. Each, right. So right. They, could, they could tack that on at two years at no, the pop. They could, they could stack them. Yeah. Mm. So if I have 50 identity theft at two years, I could that could be 100 years just for identity theft. That's Mandatory. so consecutive, yeah. Right, which is one of the reasons you want to say, let's consolidate this. <laughs> so <laughs> You're wheeling and dealing. Right, so we consolidate it. And when did Candace visit you? So I the Candace was, I'd already talked to her on the phone several times. You know that. Oh, we know that. Yeah. yeah. So she, she, um, she came to see me after, the Secret Service came to see me first. Mm-hmm. So my lawyer's advice was, you know, um, tell them, you know, everything you can, cooperate, hope for the best, you know, like that was it. And it's not like, like I used to joke about it, like, you know, like she didn't help me at all. Like, you know, <laughs> what was she going to do? Yeah, there's no case. Though. You know, yeah, there's nothing to do. There's no wiggle room. So it's like, yeah, you could go to trial and get yourself 100 years, you know, or – you can cooperate and hope for the best. And that was, so that's what I did. So I met with the secret service, you know, cause I would love to say for the people out there that are, that are watching this, that I was a gangster, <laughs> but I'm not a gangster, you know, like that wasn't like, you know, look at me. Like I can't go to prison. Yeah. You're, what was the word? Yeah. He's like, I'm adorable. I'm adorable. <laughs> He's what are you going to do? I said, Oh, nothing. I'm leaving. I said, I can't go to prison. Look so at me. immediately you were like, I'm on the run. Yeah. I mean, look at me, bro. Adorable. <laughs> Can't go to prison. Gosh. Have you had any of the plastic surgery yet or anything? No. I haven't been on the run yet. Oh, shit. So you did that to change your appearance while you were on the run. Of course. I mean, I know what you're thinking. It's hard to improve this. <laughs> but I'm adorable. I cannot go to prison. So I had to weigh, I had to weigh the respect of my fellow scumbag uh, um. <laughs> you know, scumbag uh, criminals, their respect versus cooperation. And it was a very, very quick decision <laughs> on my part. It was like, yeah, I mean, I know you guys are going to be disappointed in me. But if I'm not in prison with you, I don't have to be concerned about that. <laughs> well, you're going to be in there for a while with them. That's the yeah, thing. I was, but, the but you know, the least amount of time as possible was was the goal. So I meet with the Secret Service. Meet with them. Um, that was an interesting conversation because, you know, they're still trying to put it together, right? Um, and I told you, I, I think I've, did I tell you this last time? Or did, where? No, we left. We left off when you when the sirens were blaring and you they were saying oh, Matt, really? Matt Cox get on the ground. So the guy says the the um, Bron. I think his name is Bronskowski or something. It was some I don't know some really long like Russian name or something anyway he is so funny because when i was talking so we we meet and the first thing he does is he sits down and he says listen before we get started i need so i got the the u.s attorney two secret service agents my lawyer and jim knows because he's sat in many oh, many yeah. of these um and and me and the first thing he says is he said we need to fix something real quick. He said, need to make, go ahead. And he said, so that you don't get yourself an obstruction charge. He said, we know you still have some money out there. So let's get that off the table right away before we even start. Um, he said, what other money do you have out there? Because we already know you have money. We've already found additional money. 
And I'm like... <laughs> now, were you rolling in, in mostly cash in places at this point? I mean, I had cash, yeah. right? Like we had cash. They had found some cash. But keep in mind, Amanda went immediately and and took went to our safety, safety deposit box, her safety deposit box, and took the safety deposit box, took all the cash out. And then immediately, this is also a girl that was going to wait for me, went immediately <laughs> with about six or seven passports and went straight to the Secret Service agents and... Uh, um, field office and said, oh my gosh, you can't believe what I just found in my safety deposit box. I had no idea these were in here. And I thought, wow. Well, like, great, great I mean, woman you got there. I didn't even get the six months. <laughs> um, but once again, she's a good citizen. She did the right thing. So she, um, you know, and I joke about that, but I really do believe that. Like she was in a bad spot. She had a son. She had, you know, she has no, yeah. you know, that was, that was the right thing to do. Have you ever talked to her yeah. since then? Well, no, no, I haven't talked to her, but I've had producers who have spoken with her. Uh. Um, and I traded a couple of text messages. And basically, she's remarried. You know, she's remarried. She has another kid. And she met a decent human being. And she married that guy. <laughs> That's nuts. Um, but uh, and so she was like, she, you know, I'd sent her an email when I was in the halfway house and emailed her, you know, not an email, what am I saying? Uh, uh, messaged her. Facebook, right? Oh, so you got I, right out. You were looking to hit again. Yeah, no, stop. <laughs> so I messaged her, hey, what's going on? How are you? But, you know, told her, look, you know, boom, just curious to know how you're doing. And then she didn't answer for like, let's say maybe even six months to a year. And one day I got an email from her. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm, God damn it, uh, a message, instant message from her. Am I not supposed to cuss? No, you're fucking you a, good, dude. You get a quite, you get a, a, just this for, is New Jersey, bro. Come on. So she, I, she says to me in that, she said, listen, she said, I'm so sorry. I've really, you know, really kind of battled over this and thought about it and want want to talk to you. And I'm interested in talking to you and I would love to catch up and, you know, I have questions. I know you have questions. And she said, um, but out of respect for my husband, I need to I'm gonna I need to ask him first and mm. talk to him about this and see what he how he feels. And I will let you know. And then maybe a couple of days later she came back. She said, Look, I'm sorry I spoke with him and he just doesn't want me talking to you. And I have to respect him. I hope you understand that. And I said, oh, I totally understand that. And I get it. And, you know, and then some producers have reached out to her to talk to her a few times on some of the like the little kind of documentary episodes that I've done. Yeah. And they've reached out to her and she's spoken with them. And she's like, I, look, I'm, I don't want to be interviewed. And, um, and she's like, you know, I hope he's doing well. And please tell Matt that, you know, I, I, I hope he's doing OK and, you know, whatever, you know, blah, 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 back and forth a little bit. And that's it. But that's we've never spoken. So no, the answer is mm. no. Um, but she's doing good and, you know, that's great. Yeah. So anyway, I get out. I talk to the Secret Service agent. So the Secret Service agent says, you're hiding money. We know you're hiding money. So I'm I'm in the meeting with them. The um, What do they call it? Proffer? Pro mm, that sounds right. Uh, proffer. Yeah, 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 you're right. I guess yeah, was, probably proffer agreement. Yeah. So unless you lied during that particular set of circumstances, you know, then you would be – Okay, for the day. Right. There's nothing that they could use yeah, unless only, you lied. If only it was during a day. That day. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm it, sure yeah, it, was it was multiple like three days. days. Yep. And, and then the FBI was another two or three days. Um. Hmm. But so I talked to them. So they said, uh, <laughs> they were like, "You've we know you've hidden money." And I was like, "No, I, I didn't hide any money." Me? No. And my lawyer, my lawyer's leans in. She's like, "Do we need to talk?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "I gave you." I started naming off all the bank accounts because I told my lawyer that these are the mm. bank accounts. Like, keep in mind when they raided the house, they found the document. They found all these. So mm. you didn't have like a like a trash bag of cash sitting no, somewhere in a backyard. No, that no, no I one did. Knew. But remember how I had a home invasion, 
and they stole the, all the money. I had a oh, home invasion they, oh, just shit. beforehand. They took like a hundred and something, two hundred thousand dollars in cash. Is that the same one that Bob Menendez just had? The same home? Oh yeah. Tough, vision. tough. That was that was interesting. Bob Menendez is the senator in Jersey. They've been trying to nail for like two decades, and I think they he'll get off. Again. He'll get off again. You oh, think so? Positive. Oh, and he had the gold bars and everything. Right? Yes. yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. That guy's like Teflon, bro. They can never fucking hit him. That would have been you. He's doing a troll that, doing that raid though. If you were still in, right? Yeah, we did the first one. How much did you? Are you allowed to say if you investigated him? He's a little troll. Let's yeah, just it's, not, it's not yeah, illegal to have troll bars. It's not, yeah. Yeah. That's you're, not illegal. You're an asshole, Senator Menendez. We'll we'll, we'll take that as a yes. It's not illegal filthy, to have dirty, cash. Filthy, dirty criminal. <laughs> but I'm anyway, over it. you're, you're yeah, in the proper meeting now. A long night. <laughs> Look at that. So what ends up happening is the uh, yeah the the Secret Service agent was like, yeah, you we know you have money. I said, no, I don't. I they they I said you've already gotten it. Like I told my lawyer where all the bank accounts were. Amanda had given them a bunch of bank accounts. They'd taken whatever it was half a million, a million dollars. They had all these properties that they had were seizing and 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 getting and selling. And I was like, you've got everything. And the guy goes, look, we know you're we know you're lying. We know you have at least um, I want to say it was I'm going to say two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Might have been a hundred, but let's say two hundred. So he goes, we know you have two hundred thousand dollars in a bank account right now. And I was just like, what are you talking about? And and he said, we know you've got two hundred thousand dollars in the name of my of Walter Holcomb. <laughs> guy's name was Walter, which was a homeless a, a guy. Homeless guy. Oh. Well, we know you have in two hundred thousand dollars in the name of Walter Holcomb. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he slaps down a couple of bank statements mm. that. Say that there's like $198,000 in this bank account. And and it was called Southern Exchange Bank of Clarksville. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, wow. And he he said, yeah, he said, we've already subpoenaed the records. He goes, we're going to get the records. We're going to get the money. He's like, what are you doing? You're going to end up with a, an obstruction charge on top of everything else. And I went, did you go to the uh, the website? <laughs> And he goes, yeah, I went to the website. And I went, okay. I said, did you, what'd you think? And he goes, what do you mean? And I go, it was, he goes, it's a banking website. I go, yeah, but it was good, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. And he goes, what do you mean? And I went, it's convincing, right? <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, no. And I go, yeah, bro. I go, it's all an illusion. <laughs> it's not real. I said, there's no, like I made a fake bank, a bank, banking website. Like I was like, you could go through, it had different pages. You could. You could do all kinds of Where stuff. Where was he getting the money number then? Well, because all that was was it was just a fake bank statements that I had. So oh, he, right. he to gotcha. what had happened. And he said, no. He said, I went to like the banking registry. No, you didn't. He did. No way. There was a Southern Exchange Bank of Clark's. There was a Southern Exchange Bank, which had been bought out by, by SunTrust Bank and closed. Oh, yeah. Mine was Southern Exchange Bank of Clarksville. And so when he looked it up, he saw Southern Exchange Bank. It was a real registered bank. It still was registered. And he just didn't realize that. So it was a real bank. Like to him, this number is correct. There's a website. Mm-hmm. It's correct. I have bank statements. You've got money in the bank. And I just subpoenaed the bank. He subpoenaed their their main address, which was in Tampa, Florida. But nothing – there. and, I, and I, I said to him, I said, who did you – who did you – um, you know, who'd you subpoena? And he goes, 
I said, you didn't get anything. He said, well, no, we sent it off like a week ago. We're still waiting. I, well, I, I promise you, you're not getting anything. <laughs> I'm not responding. Yeah. Didn't and I said, who? you have a bunch of cell phones? You I, that's what I said, who did you, who did you, because he said, we've left messages. I go, who did you leave messages with? <laughs> and he said, we, on the voice, there was a voicemail. And I went, I haven't paid that thing in like four months. <laughs> There's, and he turned around and he called it. This is, you know, like you picked up, you know, boop, boop, boop. And it went, you know, that, remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was just, I was like, yeah, I haven't paid it. It's a humbling moment for he that Secret just, Service agent. Oh, yeah. It was, and I remember, yeah. too, he had told Probably me. Probably never asked another question that day, right? No, he did. He did? <laughs> he, he was actually, here's the thing. He was funny. Like, he was super funny. Did they ever laugh at stuff like yeah, this? Yeah, they laughed all the time. Like, it's the funny. secret, here's no, the we, thing about the Secret Service. The Secret Service, and I'm going to enjoy saying this was the most professional group of of law enforcement that I dealt with. Mm. The f- most thuggish, unprofessional group of law enforcement I dealt with at that time. Marshals? No. <laughs> um, DEA. <laughs> so, so. Clarksville anyway, PD. Tough day for the FBI. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah, they so they well, were, listen, of course they were professional. They wouldn't throw themselves in front of Biden. Yeah, they they I mean, they, <laughs> they also wanted they also keep in mind too, like really wanted me to go to jail for a long time. But anyway, so yeah, so I was like, Yeah, I was like, it's all fake and this and that. And I remember the US attorney was like, Well, what why did you even have those bank statements? And I was like, Bank statements? You know, she's like, why'd you have the phone number? Why'd you do this? I was like, banks are great for everything. They're great for employment. <laughs> They're great for, you know, for your down payment. They're great for uh, reserves. They're great to, to, for verification of, of rent, mortgage. And she was like, all right, all right. So, yeah, so we, we talked and, you know, I just explained to them, you know, everything that happened from when I went off on the run, when I went to Atlanta, what I did in Atlanta. The, and they that's when they kind of explain remember the first video we did where i explained that the no no it was the second video where i explained that one time i had gone in to a closing and the the close or the the attorney stopped in the middle of the closing and like picked up the documents and said hold on a second he went in the back and my secret services most wanted yes right so like that's when they told me that they said do you remember this closing where the guy actually left he stopped the closing and i was like yeah, yeah. He said, well, here's why. And they told me why. You know, they told me everything. Like, we went to the bank. Remember the check you cashed for $29,000 in the bank? They gave you a hard time. I was like, right. And she said, we actually went there and talked to that. Like, so they explained everything. Oh, wow. They're really giving, yeah, they're giving you the. They were all over it. They were all over it. Like, they, they genuinely, look, look. And the difference is, too, as opposed to the FBI, you know, for them, for the Secret Service, this was a big deal, right? Mm. Like, for the FBI, you know, they're tracking down you know, violent criminals, but for the Secret Service, this is a big deal. You know, this is falls right within their purview. Yes. And for the FBI, like to them, it's like, I'm looking for a serial banker or we're looking for, you know, terrorists or we're looking for, you know, we're tracking down these types of things as opposed to, so they weren't as adamant as the Secret Service was. I've never understood where the Secret Service ties in because the way we all think of it the first mm-hmm. time is the people with the mics who protect the, the politicians but very unique that's, that's tiny niche investigative portion so mm-hmm. this being one of them right card fraud and bank fraud to an extent and then more so recently cyber did they so, step on like did no, you guys step it on was each always other's a toes deconfliction. sometimes it was a deconfliction so that that's the important thing is just talking to people and saying <laughs> what's your portion 
what are you going to do? Who's going to take the lead? Does that always happen? No. You know, it can lead to a little bit of, you know, um, swinging dick syndrome. <laughs> yeah, going at each other. And U.S. attorneys, are, they usually do a good job of it, but you do have agents that are just like, meh, F you. You know, I'm going right. to do what I'm doing anyway, so I don't care. Gotcha. Which was why after I spoke with the Secret Service for three days and I explained everything like this is what I did. I went straight here. Here's how did you do this? I rented this. How did you get these names? I got this. How did you do this? I, so I just laid everything out. This is what I did. Were they taking – they were note, taking notes. Oh, yeah, they're that, taking right? notes. So, how eight, long was this meeting? Eight, three days. Yeah, but each day, like, oh, no, like no, total. They can't do it very long. Like maybe – Six hours, seven. Like it's not like they're going ten hours. Like they they have to have the marshal move. A day, move 18, you. yeah, yeah. Six so hours a day though. Seventeen, so, eighteen yeah, hours yeah, yeah. worth so I was of trying to get out. And I think what, what Matt's going to tell us. I don't want to jump in, but so both sets of these agencies are taking notes. So Secret Service is taking one set of notes, providing it to the same United States Attorney or Assistant United States Attorney. The Bureau is taking their own set of notes. Now think about the problems that can have, right? Because we don't record anything. Mm. We don't record anything. Right. So we're writing down. So now at this point. We've got to come back and say who's the lead because your notes don't reflect what he actually said. You're maybe throwing opinion in or something along those lines. Oh, so it's, it, it's an issue. It could be an well, issue. I was going to say the other thing was. See, that's why you need J3 consulting <laughs> to do this kind of stuff. The the FBI refused to send discovery. Is that legal? That's not legal. They no, just. They ball just, busting. They just didn't want to do it because what here's. Listen, remember. Candace wanted me to come back and turn myself in in Tampa. I mm. turned. I ended up getting caught. Oh, you and pissed her off again. So she's furious. She's upset because she wanted the case to be moved to Tampa, mm. and the Secret Service was saying no. And keep in mind too, the U.S. Attorney didn't really care. Like the U.S. Attorney in Tampa was like, he didn't care about having this case. But the prosecutor in Atlanta. Loved the fact that Dateline had done a special on me. I had all this press coverage. She wanted that. This guy. Why did the Tampa guy not? He care? just didn't. It, his name's Robert Mazakowski. He ended up being the U.S. Attorney hmm. in in the Middle District of Florida, and he's you know he's not there because he wanted a whole bunch of limelight. He's just going through prosecuting cases and good for him. You know that this woman was this was her night her moment to shine mm. i would have thought after you terrorized the entire city of tampa and all the surrounding provinces for years and years and years as as a so disrespectful as as just a criminal in the night that they would have wanted that case right on the home turf but i guess not i guess no. he didn't care and keep in mind too here's the other thing at this point it's mid to late 2000 it's mid to late 2007 so casino royale's out on so, dvd now no no, it, I saw it. You know, when I got to Coleman, um, when I finally got to federal prison, I actually finally saw movie. it one day. Great I, movie. I, yeah, I sat down with popcorn. I sat there. I was like, nice. Like I was like, yeah, <laughs> the long time. So, um, been to the Ocean Club. Didn't see any dead bodies in hammocks, but wish I would have. Anyway, so, besides the fact, what ends up happening with that is, um, is that by the time the FBI comes in, it's mid to late 2007. What's happening? Banking crisis. Oh, the, yeah. Things are starting. The yeah. cracks are showing. Yep. Right. Like Big they're time. they're really. It's it's getting bad. You know, it's not it's not 2008 yet, so it's not the full blown, but it's happening, and people are going. This is insane. Like things are going bad. People are going to foreclosure. Um, 
No well, docs, right? I mean, we're starting the no docs process yeah, now of it's getting becoming the loans. A, now, and, yeah. and now the articles are showing up. This is what mm, they've been doing. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe this? Yep. These horrible, horrible bankers. And I'm like, hey, I'm a low-level fraudster, bro. Like, I'm not – I'm not – I don't work at Merrill Lynch. Like, I'm not at Bank of America. I'm not making these types of decisions that led to this. I Matter of fact, it wouldn't matter what the underwriting guidelines were. None of this helped contribute to what I did at all. I, I wasn't doing no-doc loans. My yeah, docs, for, for a refresher for people, just right. explain your racket. My loans were – I said racket. Like <laughs> flew out here. <laughs> so um, uh, my stuff wasn't no-doc. It was full documentation. So if, if I was getting my guy a loan, he's got W-2s, pay stubs, maybe 1040s. He's got – his money is in the bank. It's been in the bank for at least 90 days. Whether the bank was true or not, whether the actual there was actually an employee or not, had a tax ID number, had a registered bank, it looks legit. Like I don't need a liar loan to get this guy qualified. He's mm. got 710 credit scores. He's always got perfect credit, money in the bank, honest job, canceled checks, bank statements. He's good. He's a solid conventional customer. I don't need loose guidelines. He could have gotten that loan 10 years earlier. He could get it to this day. Every one of my guys were perfect. So I'm being – and people start blaming, making these comments like, this is the reason that the economy is collapsing because of people like you. Like, are you insane? <laughs> my little tiny – I was stealing from the people who were doing this. Yeah, my little $15 million is nothing yeah. compared to that. And here's the thing. But when the FBI shows up, they're saying – You've got four, $55 million. They're saying $15 million that you're personally responsible for for your scam in Ewar City and while you were on the run, plus $40 million that went through. Where did they get in the 40? It's like ghost dope. Well, the continuing, it doesn't really, the, they just, the continuing scheme, if they could tie in one piece of any of his $15 million, if they can, we can. Then we're going to continue that scheme and add the economic loss. He doesn't. He doesn't even know what happened, and he knows what happens. So he he Just, knows what's a great. It's a great piece. it's not a great piece, but it it's a great piece right. for us. Basically, what happened? Like three or four. They interviewed all my mortgage brokers, and they're like, "Oh, he's doing a two three million dollars a month." And I'd say, "I don't know." Maybe 60 or 70% of that is fraud. Oh, okay, $2 million, 60% of that mm. times how long was Matt did Matt own the business? $40 million. Like that's it. It's like ghost dope. Mm. They catch you with a little bit of dope. You know what ghost dope is? No. So some guy is selling a little bit of cocaine to – and you they catch you. And then, of course, they talk to two of the other guys you've been selling to. They go, oh, I've been buying this much a week from oh, him for they, the last five years. Yeah. And they add it up. Next thing you know, you've got a 20, 20 kilo conspiracy. And you're like, what's <laughs> happened? Jim's having a trip down memory lane over I here. It's really good. I'm bag. actually very much at peace over this. <laughs> right? And that's what they did. So she's so I got Candace saying $40 million plus $15 million, And I'm like, I've never – like my the brokers that were underneath me, I'm getting charged for their frauds. Now, they've all come in at this point, and they've all cooperated. So in my – when I was on the run, like Amanda's cooperated, Trina's cooperated, um, the brokers that helped me cooperated. Everybody across the board already cooperated. The FBI, when I get there, everybody in the case, in my case in Tampa, cooperated. So there's there's like 12 to 14 people that were indicted on my indictment 
but they're unnamed co-conspirators. So mm. it's like it's like KB, CJ, right. TY. Now I know I you know uh DW. I know who DW is. But the public doesn't. Right. That's the point. Yeah. And so what's so funny about those people is they're listed like that. And so many of those same people will say to this day, like, I never got in trouble. I didn't do anything wrong. You were on my indictment, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> like, so what happened was they caught me. They've got everything. They know everything. And I'd love to sit here and say, like, I only told them what they already knew. Like, so I'd have buried every one of those dudes. If they <laughs> if they'd kept their mouth shut, I'd have cut every one of those dudes' throats. Mm. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you were the last one standing. I was the last one. And so that one didn't help. And the second thing that didn't help was the fact that the the entire economy is slowly starting to collapse. So, you know, it's and, and this ultimately happens, right? Ultimately, what happens is after they leave, they say, you know, we're we're investigating it. We're looking into it. My prosecutor comes to my lawyer and says, listen, Mr. Cox has cooperated. You know, he's going to get a 5K. We're, we will consider his cooperation for a 5K1, which means a sentence reduction. They'll reduce my sentence. To the judge directly from right. the prosecutor. Right. And 99.99.99% of the time, the judge is going to go with it. Like almost 100%. Yes. I, I, have you ever even heard? You probably I've, never, heard, I've no. never heard of a 5K not being considered no. and acted upon. Right. Now, is he going to give him exactly what? Still about 99%, you know, he's going to give it to him. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I felt pretty confident because they said they'd consider it. And substantial assistance is helping the government. So they said, we'll consider this, these two substantial assistance. Cool. Hmm. She said, also, we want Mr. Cox to be interviewed by Dateline. And I was like, told my lawyer, oh, I don't, they're going to make me look bad. Like, they already did one one-hour special on me. They, it was horrible, you know? Um, they wanted you to – that's a part of their stipulation? Well, it was – it was just – they just asked – let's say they requested it. So you tell me I have to be in front of a judge with this U.S. attorney going in front of the judge. Do do I want to say, yes, I want a reduction? And, oh, by the way, fuck you as far as you're <laughs> exactly. having me interviewed? No. Right. If they said, look, Mr. Cox, from now on, we're going to want you to wear your jumpsuit backwards. I'd be like, of course, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I haven't been doing that this whole time. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry you had to ask me. So the point is, is that they asked me to be interviewed. They said they thought it would help. It would help reduce crime. It would show people the seriousness of this. You're going to make yeah. people and love it. it. Would, <laughs> and, and it would put her in the spotlight, she gets to be interviewed period. Again. So she gets hired by the huge defense firm. Or right. White collar firm. Oh, Gail, yep, beautiful. Gail and Gail McKenzie, by the way, um, Gail McKenzie um, had been a young prosecutor. This is what my lawyer had told me, and I and I may have this slightly off, but I'm I'm pretty sure I'm ninety nine percent sure that accurate on this. At one point, she had been a young prosecutor. She was prosecuting someone for fraud, mm. and they were Russians, and they they actually poisoned her. Mm. Oh shit! So she ended They'll up do the, that. ended up in the hospital. So when people say, "Well, it's just fraud," she would get extremely offended. Fraud leads to violence. It leads to like she took it to heart, and she stayed a prosecutor and became a prosecutor the whole time. And her specialty the entire time was fraud. Mm. Not good for you. No, no, no. <laughs> so I get. So I I end up doing Dateline. So I do Dateline with uh, – From prison? 
Yeah, well, from jail. Yeah, I was in the yeah. U.S. Marshals holdover. Because the if you were in the Bureau of Bureau's cu- um, custody, the Fe- Federal Bureau of Invest Federal Bureau of Prisons, mm-hmm. they will not let a, a camera in. But the U.S. Marshals will. Why is that? I don't know. Oh, oh, I know why the the bureau won't because of um, conditions. Cl- Club Fed. Yeah. There was a. There was a. There was a. Uh, was it? Is it twenty twenty? Who was Barbara Walters with twenty twenty? Twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty. A lot of stuff. I yeah. think she was twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. So they did something called Club Fed. Yeah, that's her. That's, that's the. That's the uh, prosecutor. That's my prosecutor. Okay, that's on the screen right there. So yikes. Yeah, not. She's not a looker. No, she's, <laughs> and she was pissed about it. She was very angry. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I don't want to be mean, but she looks like her best days were behind her. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I guess you were like one of her last hurrahs, or was she hanging in there? I don't know. I, I, I many many people came to prison after I was in prison that would that we had the same. Oh, prosecutor. from her? Oh yeah. She's not dead yet. She no, was she's dead now. Then. Okay, she's dead now. Um. But it's funny too because when my when my attorney told me that she had passed away, she was like, "Don't say anything <laughs> negative on this email." But <laughs> Gail McKenzie passed away, and I remember I said, "I'm indifferent." Hmm. You know, I said like, "I mean, she, in her mind, she did the right thing." Yeah, I mean, you were guilty, as you say, you were Absolutely. guilty of every single thing you were right. convicted of. Yeah, yeah, so, no doubt. Yours so, is a pretty open I'd, shut case. Yeah, I'd love to hate her. Yeah, but. What are you gonna? What do? am I gonna do when you, when you're right and I'm wrong? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, what what ends up happening is I do I do Dateline, and uh, you know, not a great episode. Uh, Why? This is the second time, you know, they edit it so I'm actually smiling and chuckling at parts where I wasn't smiling and chuckling. Oh yeah. man, they um, dipsy dude. Yeah, sucks. yeah. You know, that's and, fucked up. But once again. <laughs> Didn't have a lot of leg to stand on. It's not like, you know. <laughs> you didn't it, get final cut on that? Yeah, this guy, you know, what a jerk. Um, and he frustrated me a few times. Like, I'd never been really who, interviewed. Who was it? Do you remember the yeah, guy? Yeah, it was the guy. He's like, is he? Um, Talks real slow. Canadian. And he's, he's got very, white hair. Yes. You know, I do you know. know. 2020, it was? No, no. This, deadline? No, this is Dateline. Dateline. I do. The other thing I was going to tell you, nice he's move. got like a horse face, like a long. I know exactly. You, th- Nice job on the email because there's a case, one of my old high school buddies, similar type of deal, name was Mike McGrath, gets prosecuted, convicted, goes to prison, same type of thing. The prosecutor had some issues, so his lawyer wrote, hey, um, you know, so-and-so, you know, just had something, something bad happened in the guy's life. He wrote back, good, because I tattooed, he tattooed the AUSAs, the prosecutor's initials prior to this with a like a kill sign oh really. no yeah so now they find it guess what 10 more years yeah oh so i mean think about that's nice job on that yeah i'm not, not not reaching out and being like fuck, yeah I, fuck this bitch or whatever not listen know? i've already seen people get she fucked already up. got her punishment just oh, yeah. picture. people have already, I've already seen people get fucked up for barely saying anything that's it and, and exactly. it doesn't matter or on those prison and, and, phones and honestly, I was I was indifferent. Like I, I don't I don't hate you. I just went out of prison. Yeah. Like you yeah. did what you, you're doing your job. That's fine. So, um, how long Morris, from Keith Morris? Is that the name of the guy? Keith Morris Dateline. Let's check it out. How long after you were arrested until that's him? That's the oh, guy. that's the dude. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Yep. That's the guy. 
What a jerk. So right, th we'll this is a guy the corner of the screen. This is a guy who this is these are the kinds of things he did. Like he's professional. Like he knows what he's doing. I have no clue. Here and he would do stuff like this. You hurt a <laughs> lot of people. And I go, Well, I I financially inconvenience some people, but I mean I don't think I hurt any and he's like, You hurt a lot of people. And I was I said, I didn't hurt anybody. You hurt oh, a lot of people. Close. And I go, I mean, you, why are you like, I didn't physically harm anybody. You hurt a lot of people. And I go, listen, apparently I said, you're stuck on the word hurt. So yeah, I hurt a lot of people. I said, can we move on? You gave him what you guess what wanted. I Guess what made the clip? You hurt a lot of people. Yeah. I hurt a lot of people. Can we move on? There you go. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Oh. Yeah, little dipsy do. Oh. That's the dipsy kind of thing. Do. This is pre-media Matt Cox. This is me not knowing what yeah. I'm doing. And and keep in mind, you know, they edit it, and when it's done, you're going, "Oh my God, that's not what happened." And people, are, when you got the other inmates going, "Damn, bro, you're like a psychopath." I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you, you kidnapped someone and tortured them. <laughs> you hurt, you hurtful son of a yeah, bitch. Like, you hurt some people. And so yeah, I financially inconvenienced some people. But, um, <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, so I I end up going to the. So I remember when I when the FBI shows up, right? This is Candace. Candace is already like six foot tall. She's so like, she did come to visit you. Not visit me. She interrogated me. It wasn't visit. Oh, we visit weren't friends. She didn't get me a hamburger out of the Were you turned out of, on? The, out of the, the, the machine. Did she turn you on? What? Was She's there like, like a thing? I felt like there was a thing between you two. Last time with the phone calls and everything, there was a lot of sexual tension going on. <laughs> I'm just saying. You said no. she had a nice rack, so she did have a she did have See? a big fit big set of fakes. See? Yeah. But she's a giant. And I'm tiny. And I'm I don't know if you're not, into that. You might be. I'm not. So what happens is <laughs> might she be worth the climb. She no. So she she comes and she gets me and walks me in. And I remember when I walked in, I took she took the handcuffs off me and I rubbed my wrist. And she goes, Do your wrist hurt? And I go, Yeah. She goes, get used to it. Whoa. And I was just like, Oh my God. Bitch. <laughs> and I was just like, and listen, I mean, non every snide comment she could make. She made one after another after another. You've been frustrating her for like six years, so right. so I, and I, I hear. It, and I remember, I remember my my attorney at one point even said, "Hey, do do we have to? Can we stop with the mean spirited comments?" She was honestly, you know, can we try and be professional? And she would. <laughs> she was just. I need you two on a podcast. So she bad. was. Oh, she she disliked me. She didn't find me comical at all. Never. Do we have a picture of her? Can we? Yes. Can oh, we pull that I'm up? Sure I've, I've, I've seen. I've, I've gotten a look before. Can we pull up a picture? Of that, that's the Secret that's Service agent. No, that's no, his, no. Type, what, what was her last name? Candace. Candace Calderon. Yeah, yeah. yeah and was... this is Andrea Peacock. Very polite. Very nice. Very professional. Yeah. Candace Calderon. I think I saw her LinkedIn after last time. Did you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. She was teaching at like a shooting range or some shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like personal self defense. Yeah, there she right is. There? there she is. Yikes. She's older now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not good. Mm -hmm. And she yeah, was and that's wearing... your former fucking coworker, pal. And she was wearing heels. There she is with my director. Are Look you at serious? The size of her. There's Louis. Louis Free. Oh yeah. Look yeah, at yeah. the size of her. Wow. Yeah, she is tall. Yeah. She's a big, big chick. You're looking up at her. And aggressive and angry. Shoot the gun. Listen, <laughs> that's her in her fifties. Squat and stop smiling. Just yeah. pull the trigger. She look, imagine her in her late thirties, early forties. 
No. Listen, yeah. she was a looker. She, she was, did she look a lot better in her LinkedIn picture. Is that her LinkedIn right there? No. No. No, that's not her. No. Okay. There, it, it, She used to have one. I don't know. I've definitely seen it because that's not what she looked like. Mm. I definitely saw some of these pictures. I remember something about shooting, but that's not what – she's wearing like sunglasses and stuff there. I think she's looking purposely no, tough, too. None of those are her. That's not her. Higher former FBI no. agent. All right. No. We'll, we'll, we'll continue on. Right. So she's staying in there. She's making snide comments left and right. Yeah, she's making snide comments. She didn't like me. So, you know, we, we talk. We, we do the several days. And then eventually that that's over. Then I do the dateline, you know, Morrison, um, Morris, whatever his name is, uh, Keith. Keith comes and sees me. That whole thing goes bad. Then I'm waiting because my lawyer had said if you're interviewed by if you're interviewed by the secret service and FBI and you're do the dateline interview you know they're they'll consider it substantial assistance and US attorney will reduce your sentence great so you're coming off 32 what are you thinking in your head well i first i get my psi and it says 32 years less so i get my pre-sentence report right like a probation officer comes and you answer a bunch of questions like you know you know uh, you know whatever you know what how was you grew up you know How'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Your brothers, sisters, you know. So I, I tell them everything, that, that all the questions. And they then, of course, they talk to the U.S. attorney and say, well, what did he do? What's he pled guilty to? Well, how much money? What's the dollar amount? How many people was he in charge of? Was it? And then they start – they rack up. Real quick, to all my Discord people out there, the Julian Dory Discord is officially live. I put the link down in the description below. So go hit that, join the community, and say what's up. There's all kinds of features in there, and I look forward to hearing from you guys. Let's get it popping. So my base level offense was about six or seven years, mm -hmm. right? So my just Which is significant, right? even on the baseline. Well, that's because I had prior so your guideline was Right. So your guideline goes his criminal history, these things, and then they build on that. Right. And if I – just like – what Jim said was like, like, look, if I didn't have a criminal history, it, it wouldn't have been six years. Not, it, yeah, it not even been, close. Yeah, it would not have been, been a couple two, years. Yeah. Right. You know, and if you get the right judge, you might even get probation. Yep. Maybe. So, but I got six years. That's fine. But then you say, okay, well, but what he did was sophisticated. Okay, mm. so that's two extra points. And um, how do they? Define and he was the leader of this scheme, right? right. So was, he was the right. one who came how up. How are they with finding, it. defining sophisticated? They said so. So oh, very you, subjective. Oh, listen, it's it, but I mean, honestly, it was more sophisticated than me. Just yes. So I, it's not like I can. You were a very good fraud. Trust me, I argued, made all those arguments with my lawyer. My <laughs> lawyer's like, seriously, you don't think that you, you obtained um, you obtained people's. Uh, identities. You obtained driver's license. You obtained their bank statements. You obtained created this. You a created bank. this. You created. Yeah, you invented created, jobs in, at the Salvation Army. Boom, 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 yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, credit reports. I was like, all right, right, enough with you. <laughs> so we're, I've had enough of this. Move on. Then it was, you know, leader organizer. Then it was how many people were you over? Even though those people were all indicted and their names weren't weren't listed, right? So they don't have actually people. Doesn't matter. You were in charge of more than ten people. Okay. Um, then you were, you know, then it was you changed jurisdictions to evade detection, right? Because I, I did during the scheme, I was doing stuff in oh, one yeah. county and another county and another county all over. And Florida. then you were all over states well, and, and on the run. Oh, and then I took off on the run too and continued to commit fraud. So your fraud continued in jurisdiction. Okay, then it was, um, bro. It just honestly, it just goes on and on. Like it just, and so it ends up being. 
18 years of enhancements mm. on top of the six. So you're sitting 24 now, so right. you're way up in the 50s on your guideline. Plus two years for aggravated identity yep. theft. So it, it really was 30, so it came up to 32 years. Mm. But two or th- but two of the enhancements we argued. So because when I got the 32-year PSI, I flipped out. I said, I'd rather go to trial. Might as well go to trial. At least at trial, I can argue these things and try and mitigate the circumstances. Um, I said, maybe I'll get less than 32 years. So there's no benefit for me to, if I'm getting the max right now. Yeah. And I said, I can at least argue. And so, of course, she went back to the U.S. attorney. U.S. attorney came back and said, okay, listen, I'm sending the Secret Service agent down there. Let's You guys can talk about it. She already had a number in mind, right? So I go in. We argue. I'm like, there was just a couple of the enhancements that just, just – didn't apply that I felt didn't apply, and so, so they dropped some of these enhancements, one or two of them, right? Hmm. Um, and then my lawyer said, so it got down to where it was twenty six years and four months, and my lawyer said, look, this enhancement, this one, and there were like four enhancements. She's, I'm going to argue those in front of the judge, which you're allowed to. We're going to get those taken off. And you're going to be at 12 years. Then you're going to get a reduction. Yeah. She said you were going to be down to 12? 12 to 13, yes, roughly. Because it's a range. So yeah. she can't guarantee the low end. Yeah. So they could argue for the high end, and maybe it's almost 14. You're, it was like, whatever, 13 and God, they 10 play months. with years in a fucking 15-minute like hearing. And they, like and it's, they months, it's all months. So yeah, it's, it's even more like – Yeah, because now you got to do math. <laughs> you got to do math, and <laughs> they they're, and they're constantly like, well, you got six months. You know, you only got – it's all for a reason. So I say, okay. I'm, I'm like, okay. So she's like, oh, she's like, look, let, let me give you an example. And she reads the example. Is that what you did? And I was like, no, that's not it at all. And she's like, right, that's a slam dunk. We'll win that. Nice. Oh, never she's good like, when your lawyer says slam dunk. It, it, it seemed like a slam dunk though. Like mm-hmm. one of them, she said, this enhancement, this enhancement is, it was an enhancement for, um, oh, it was using a, charitable institution or government institution in furtherance of your crime. And they said, because I had worn a, I had a Salvation Army ID. So I had an ID that said I worked for the Salvation Army. I with, your, with your wanted poster well, I wanted picture. picture on, on right. <laughs> so pull up Matt Cox wanted picture? Keep going. So because of that, they said that, and and the example they give, they give a very specific example. They said, if you were going and saying, hey, I'm collecting money on behalf of the um, cancer society and you gave me $50 and then I went and I did that throughout a whole neighborhood for two weeks and I got $50,000 total, I would have been using the cancer society to get money. So I'm borrowing on behalf of this cancer society. She goes, is that what you did? And I was like, no. I'm like, I had a badge. Like that was it. These and these people, that badge meant nothing to these people. Nobody ever saw that, or they they gave me their information case. I gave them twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. That was it. So anyway, what ends up happening is so that was there was there were like three of those. So we get in front of the judge. My lawyer argues one enhancement, and the judge goes, "Nah, I disagree. Overruled." And I'm like, right then, you just add like. Four years on your sentence. And then the next one, boom, same thing. Bam, another four or five years. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like I'm realizing like that's just my 12 just shot up to fucking six. 12 went to 16. 16 just went to 21. Um, And then when they got to the badge one, 
she said, Your Honor, he didn't, he was giving people money. He was this, he was that, he wasn't doing that. And the judge went, Yeah, but I feel he tarnished their name. Mm. Boom. And I'm like, And then he, he, he rambles off the whole thing and he says, Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I missed something. Damn. I, I, I never tell this part of the story, so I'm not as good at it. You're doing I, great. I forget. Keep going. So here's what, here's the thing. The night before the sentencing, I tell my, I call my attorney and I say, hey, did you ever find out what Gail McKenzie, the U.S. prosecutor, has agreed to reduce my sentence by? What's the motion she's going to make for a reduction? Is she going to ask for one level off, five levels off? Because each level represents so many months, right? It gets progressively worse. And she, and she said, yeah, Matt, I did talk to her. And she said that nobody has been arrested yet. So because nobody's been arrested, they're not going to recommend that your sentence be reduced. And I said, but what about – I was also in – I was also, you know, did the Dateline interview. And she said, yeah, I know. But she said, it's just not enough. Which is bullshit because it's about your – it's not about results. That's up to the government to make results with regards to his information that he provided. It's his intention to provide – information to the government wow yeah, so that's it bullshit actually, it now could says, a lawyer argue that in court they could they but could. remember the but judge he, public defender. he also has yes obviously has a I'm judge in the 11th circuit too yeah mm-hmm. he's, he's in the worst place he could possibly right. be judge wise so, so mm-hmm. the the it actually says to if you helped you know either get arrests or indictments arrests or further the investigation that's right so just by helping and moving it forward that's assistance substantial assistance right yeah not according to Gail McKenzie. So what ends up happening is – fucked up. So I go in there. We make the arguments to get 26 years down to about 12 years. And I'm thinking, okay, get it to 12 years. And when they, they arrest some of these people, I'll get my sentence cut by at least half. Like that's what I'm thinking, half. Usually it's about a third. But I'm back then I'm daydreaming. I'm like, mm. oh, at least a third. <laughs> I mean at least a half. So what happens is um, – yeah, and I have the ARDAP program, so I was able – I was going to get a year off because I had talked to some guys in prison. And they said, say you're a drug addict. And I was like when, the, <laughs> when I did the PSI, I was like, I'm addicted to opiates. I love them. Love them. Don't know anything about them. Couldn't tell you anything about them. Luckily, this guy asked nothing. So what ends up happening is the judge says, you know, he says some really unflattering things about me. What did he say? You know, he said I was borderline uh, – uh, I think I don't know if it's sociopathic or psychopathic, but I was borderline a borderline psychopath. He said that what I did was very personal. He said because unlike a CEO who cooks the books, my crimes had a very personal effect on people. I'm pretty sure that the people that cook the books that destroyed the economy had more of an effect on people. Than the I agree few with you. people that yes. lost a little bit of money and paid an attorney. You're for to be clear out there, and people can listen to the first two episodes because, like, obviously you were guilty of everything you did, and you had to go away. And like, there's no questions there. But your your main victims were like the financial institutions. Like, I have four. because the people who you stole identities from, 
I mean, you got to get punished for that too, but like they got their shit back. So, so I had over 50 victims, right? Really it's like 52 victims because right. one of the things they did was they double counted some of the victims. And I mean victims, I mean like Bank of America. So they said, oh, you stole 300,000 from, from uh, Countrywide. And you stole two hundred fifty thousand from country, countrywide countrywide home loans. Oh, who company. like crashed and, the whole fucking world? Yeah, yeah, but but listen, hear what they said. To, to get me over the fifty mark, you stole four hundred thousand dollars from Countrywide Bank. You stole two hundred fifty thousand dollars from Countrywide home loans. You stole four hundred twenty thousand dollars from Countrywide Financial Services, and you stole one million dollars from Bank of America. So, and I'm like, wait a minute, Bank of America yeah. bought Countrywide. Wait a minute, that's one. And they said, no, no, no. Each one of those is a different institution. <laughs> and then, you, oh, listen, you want to know what my other enhancements was? Listen to this. So, you stole more than a million dollars from one financial institution. And I go, who? Countrywide. I said, what are you talking about? You said 400,000, 200,000, 400,000. Yes, but for these purposes, <laughs> If it, starts with, if it starts with countrywide, <laughs> yeah. you stole it. Yeah, we, from because that. they were all it's purchased by Bank oh. of America. So Bank of America was defrauded for over a million dollars. It's actually two million. But the point is, is that they hit me with that. So it was like, it was like, yeah, and my lawyer, the whole time I'm looking at my lawyer, like, ah, can they do that? And she's like, they can. And, they and it's like, thank God you're here. So anyway, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, what ends up happening is um, surprise you didn't fire her in the courtroom. I, no, she, but once again, she's a very nice person. She is. You very don't nice care about she, that. You're looking for is, years off. Here. I know, but she she really she didn't have she. There was nothing she could do. Yeah, you know. Plus, and I, she had seven million other cases in the public defender's yeah, office, yeah. so she could genuinely. When I got 26 years, she started crying. Mm. And she'd been doing it 15 years. And, and look, the, the judge was just brutal to me. Didn't you put his quote on the on the front of, of your book? Of course I did. One of his quotes was in front of my book. My favorite quote of all time uh, is uh, the com- what does it say? It's it's right there. It's it's the scope, complexity, and nefariousness of Cox's fraud are breathtaking. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. On the front of the yeah, fucking I his, book. I love his wanted poster. Uh, so the one on the left was the was a Salvation Army picture. Yeah. That's before before hair the hair transplants and the <sighs> we'll put the book and we'll put the wanted poster in the corner of the screen simultaneously. Yeah, the the look at the look at the hair. That's like or back to back. So sad. Yeah, look at the hair. That's post plugs, right? That's before, yeah, and, and that's also me trying to cover it. So see how I'm parting it in the middle, like pulling it over. Well, no, yeah. I was going to say the one on the left looks like it's post plugs, but the one on the right no, looks no, like it's not. Both of them are. Both really? Them, yeah. Wow, you're looking. Somehow you're still looking all right on, Look, on the left. No, you understand. I'm pulling it like this. I'm doing it in the middle, and I'm covering it. It went way back. Uh, you just can't see it because I'm parting it in the middle. Look at that part. Who parts their hair in the middle? Matt Cox, I Matthew mean, Bevan Cox. So, wow. Gerald Scott Cugnow. So she starts, the lawyer starts crying. Oh, she's, in court. she's, yeah. Like she, you know, so listen, I end up leaving. Look, and I'm, I was crying like a small child, like a baby. Like Did you have family seen, in the courtroom? Yes. My mom's in tears. My dad is, you know, well, he's just irritated in general. I'm, you know, um, but yeah. Oh yeah. Just, you know, I have two aunts that listen. One of my aunts who my aunt. And her husband have a ton of money. Okay. They live in Atlanta. So they went and she spoke. 
God bless her. She is in she is an entitled white woman, right? And she said, Your Honor, I pay taxes, and this is a waste of my money to put him in prison. <laughs> oh Lord. Please stop. Please please, please Auntie, stop please. her. <laughs> and genuinely said it and genuinely thought I really helped him here. Yeah. What a solid I just did my neck. Yes. <laughs> and I just was like, mm. I thought you were getting emotional for a minute. <laughs> I, just, I, thought, I thought you was going to be saying something like nice. Not, not was. good. Aunt, Aunt, oh, thank you, Auntie. Aunt Catherine, I appreciate it, but dear God. <laughs> Please be quiet. Um, Next. So anyway, <sighs> not that there was nothing, nothing that anybody could have said at all was going to change anything. But the point is, is, you know, of course, they, I waddle off. I've got my little cuffs on and I waddle off. You, and have, I, the, you have the feet cuffs too? Yeah, of course. And I go all the way down and they put me in the U.S. Marshals in the holdover. And, of course, my lawyer comes down and says, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, we got we have to we have to appeal this. And she's like, oh, you signed a waiver saying you can't appeal. Oh, like, my God. Ooh, when did I sign that? <laughs> <laughs> so, Attorney mispractice. Yeah. Malpractice. <laughs> I mean, I'm desperate. So she's like look it doesn't matter they're still investigating these crimes when they indict these people your your time will be reduced and i'm like yeah but it's not how much is going to get reduced half and even if it's half, unknown it's still 13 years at half i'm like well, what's going on like i'm flipping out like i and she's like don't worry it's it's going to be okay it's going to be Ugh. okay and it's not going to be okay how long considering two things here considering the all the things the judge ended up ruling out that you didn't think he would right and then also considering the fact that you were counting on getting time eventually taken off your sentence too what was your mindset before this happened going into it were you thinking like all right this is gonna be like six years five years yeah i i, I thought genuinely i'll be out of prison in about about three more i'd already done a year mm-hmm. i got arrested november 16th sentenced uh, and um a year later on november 16th mm. So I figure I got a year in. I figure I mean, even if I get four or five years, I'm going to go straight to a, a low, go to RDAP, get a year off. I'll be out of here in three years. I might mm. be in a halfway house in two or three years. I'm good. And now you get 26. I'm good. Bro, I filled out some paperwork. You don't. They don't give people 20, 30 years for filling out paperwork. Apparently they do. <laughs> Damn. Oh, my God, do they. So what ends up happening is – you know, I get on the bus, I go back. I remember walking into Atlanta City Detention Center and I walked in there and I remember by that point I had finally like cleaned myself, like like not you know, got myself together. Let's put it that I cleaned myself up. Got myself together. Like I wasn't like I was like almost for probably ten minutes I was just like couldn't stop crying. But by the time I got back, I was okay. Mm. You know, it had been an hour. You're on, you got you get put in a little bus. You know, they move you back. They have to uncuff you and do go through all the process again. It takes fucking, by the time they even drop you off at the center, it's an hour before you're back in your pod. As soon as I walked in my pod, I'd just been on the news. And literally, they were like, you don't understand. You were off the news for like two minutes when you guys, me and six other guys walk in. We're all chained together, right? And we waddle in and I look up and these guys are like literally 150 guys Guys do this from the the TV. <laughs> And they're just looking at me. I mean, guys are literally going, like shaking their head, putting their head down, walking away, just like, and I immediately start crying again. Just because I realized, like, if you guys are upset, how upset, how bad is this? Mm. Like, these guys are genuinely, these guys, I've known them for six months because I was in another jail before that for six months. So, or another U.S. Marshals holdover, they moved me. Um, The point is, is that 
you know, these guys are upset. And I, listen, I went into my room and laid down and guys are walking in like every two minutes going, bro, man, Cox, it's, I know it sounds bad, but you, you're going to be able to figure you're a smart guy. You're going to get yourself out of this. You're going to figure something out. You're going to end. Yeah, I know. Look. And you're see? like, yeah, yeah, I just got fucked. I'm done. I, I'm sitting yeah. there like, I'm done. Guys are telling me, bro, I'm not going to forget about you, bro. I've got a couple of <laughs> years like, oh, I've already, you, you always get this too. Um, guys will come up to you and guys will say like, bro, like when I get out, like I'll get you out. And what that means is we're going to get you out of there. You, you don't belong throw, in there. Throw a little, <laughs> title 27. Basically, they're going to go through this rule that says I'll provide information that's helpful to him. Eighth. That's how for, for somebody to feel like that. It only happened in the mafia years ago. Mafia. They would do that. So you they made an effect on say, some of these guys. Yeah. You developed I mean, relationships they, quick. He got screwed. I mean, for a for a 5K letter to be based on actual results that the government is responsible for in other cases, it's unheard of. Mm. Substantial assistance is, is what he, he offered assistance. What you do with it is your responsibility, this, not his. Th- oh, Jim. It's Jim. It's this unbelievable. Is gonna, this is about to get so much worse. <laughs> so what? I mean, I've got guys like they, a third party rule thirty five. A rule thirty five is a five k one after you've been sentenced. Mm-hmm. So it's when you co- you provide cooperation, but this is after you. So they give you they file a five k a, a rule thirty five after you've been sentenced, and they get your sentence reduced after, not at sentencing, but later. And it's being held over you because right. you don't know, right? So yeah. a, a a third party rule thirty five is when. He provides and he goes and it busts somebody for and, and for him for me it and, says and he it's says for him I don't want anything give it to him but yes. I just I just knocked these two fucking dudes off and they just got fifteen years apiece and I don't want any credit because I don't need any I want Matt Cox to get time off his sentence okay that's real, a, real quick let's just stop go to the bathroom because I got to go too Jim's going but all right we'll, we'll pick up right there yeah bro now it's gonna get good all right we're back go ahead um all right so. So, you know, guys are saying all this, right? Like I, I end up a week or two later, I get transferred to the U.S. Marshals holdover, which is in the Atlanta penitentiary. It was the Atlanta penitentiary. They've changed it since then, but whatever. It was the Atlanta pen. There was a holdover. I got transferred there for like a week or so. Then I got moved to Coleman. Now, because I had 26 years, even though I have a nonviolent crime, if you have more than 20 years to serve – they have to send you to a, a medium security prison. Mm. So I go to a medium security prison and a medium security prison is a prison. It's just what you think of a prison. There's two tiers. The doors are thick and heavy and they lock and they can feed you through the doors. There's bunk beds. There's a, a, a um, there's a toilet and sink combo, right? Like a, you know, a, the silver, what do you call it? The stainless steel. Yes. So, yeah. So that whole thing. So I get there. Um, I get there and uh, <sighs> you're just gonna pull that. You want to just pull that thing out? <laughs> just yank the fuck just out. We're out. good. There we go. My God. All right. Anyway, <laughs> and I'm not usually that guy, but boy, <laughs> that was from my Secret Service training. Okay. Um, the inability to remove a fucking Quest bar from a wrapper. Yeah, sorry. Fucking... We popped on camera right away. My bad. Anyway, go ahead, Matt. So, so. Uh, yeah, so I get, you know, get off the bus, of course, you know, and I'm shackled and everything and I get out and they, they, you know, you go through all these people, they question you, the staff officers, right? Like you, medical has to talk to you and uh, the, uh, what's called SIS, SIS is like the internal security, right? Like the mm-hmm. FBI that polices the, the police. Where's Coleman in Florida again? It's one, Coleman 
is one hour north of Tampa. Mm. So from Atlanta, it's good like, location for you. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. I was lucky. So it was like four hours, right? And so I'm like, whatever. It's like a four hour drive. It was longer because it's a bus and they have to stop a bunch of time. Whatever. So you're on the bus all day. So it's aggravating. But you get there. And so Coleman is the largest federal complex in the nation. It's got two penitentiaries, a medium security prison, a low security prison. And at that time, it had a it was a, a camp. It was a female camp. It's now a, a male camp. They had a female prison right there in Coleman? It, it's a fe- well, trust me, nobody's getting out. It was a female camp. Like nobody's getting out of the low, let alone the medium of the pen. You're just not getting out. Now, the, So the low isn't at all cohabitated no. in any way no. with the medium? No, no. Okay. When I say a camp, it's a camp, but the, the girls were just – they mow the yard. Right. Like you have just enough people to basically maintain this massive ground. Isn't this camp. where you met your wife? Yeah, but not Mowing when the she lawn? was – not when she was no. <laughs> my, my reg number is four zero one seven. No, look um, me up on Dateline. <laughs> oh, there, there are guys that do that. So, w- what ends up happening is is uh, I go there, whatever. I'm there. I actually had a cousin there named Reese. Reese was super interesting guy. And so when I got there, the funny thing is, my immediate thought process was escape. But after being there for even a few weeks, I realized you're not getting out of here. So you actually thought you would escape. I thought I've got 26 years. There's nothing keeping – there's no reason for me to not try and escape. But, you know, you're not escaping from the medium. And then I thought, okay, well, the low – but guys that had gone to the low and come back – because guys will get their points reduced and go to the low and then fuck up and end up coming back, right? Like they'll stab somebody, get into a fight, whatever. They end up coming back. Anyway – I'm at the medium. I meet my cousin. We're talking and he's explaining, look, it's just not possible. Like, that's never going to happen, you know? And he said, even if you went to the low, honestly, it's not going to happen. So I'm like, right. He said, and, and he, I was like, okay. And then I thought, okay, my best bet is that at some point after 20 years, so if you got, you've got more than 20 years to go, right? So once you get to 20 years, they'll move me to the low. Once you get to 10 years, they'll move you to a camp. Mm. So I thought, with my good time, I've got like 12 years. I'd already been locked up a year. So I got about 12, 12 and a half years to go. So I thought I got about 12 and a half years to go before I get moved to a camp and I'll leave then. Mm. I mean, like, that's just, you know, here's what's happening is you, it's hope. I was going to say, it's, you're just hanging on a I'm thread. hanging on anything. It's yeah. whatever can just get me through it. The point is, is that, I go there. I meet my cousin. I meet a couple of guys that I like. We hang out. You get a small group of friends. What was your cousin in for? Um, meth. A meth conspiracy. Got it. Um, or manufacturing meth. Super smart guy. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's one of those guys that like if if there if it weren't for drugs, he would be a college professor right now. Like he's just mm. brilliant, brilliant, absolute meth addict. I mean, just it's just devastated him he's, he's it's, it's it's horrible mm-hmm. you know and i mean you know and I, I i hear you chuckling and laughing like i chuckle and laugh too but but i also want to mention that you know he's it's it's one of those things that's just tragic right yeah. mm-hmm. so um but an absolute hilarious guy i mean a cox hilarious come oh my, on listen he's so funny and i mean in just this backwoods country floor florida kind of way kind of like like when he he tracked me down at the medium. He he looks exactly what you think he looks like. He's tall, thin, missing teeth, long hair, skinny. 
<laughs> Total meth, meth head. Now, even off meth, he looks like he's on meth. And I mean, he comes to my cell and he, he opens the door, steps in, he looks at me and he goes, he goes, Matt Cox? And I go, and I look up and I go, yeah, he goes, his name's Townsend, Reese Townsend. He goes, Reese Townsend, how you doing? <laughs> Puts his hand out and I go, hey, Reese, he goes, I'm your cousin. And I, sh- I go, not by blood. He's, no, you got lucky there. You got lucky. And I shake his hand and I go, well, how are you doing? Well, I just want to, I just want to make sure you're okay. You have everything. I feel like I got everything. Well, I got you some shower slides and I got you some. Come over to my place tonight, your place, your cell, my house, where I live. Do mess with me. <laughs> he, he brings me over there. He's got a whole bunch of stuff, a, a little bag full of stuff that he's got for me. Like a, you know, it's like a, a little kit. And a a lot welcome of, kit. Welcome kit. Lots of guys do that, especially Spanish guys tend to do – they're the best at it. You show up, you've got soups, you've got a lock, you've got mm. shower slides, you've got everything you need till you can pay them back. That's it. Like they take care oh, of it. a little bit of a loan shark cake too. No, it, not, a, not initially. But okay. anyway, give it time. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, he, he gave me a bunch of stuff. Super good guy. Um, made my time really much easier. I immediately – within a month, I was teaching – I was at the uh, – I was teaching uh, um, GED classes. And probably just as I was kind of wrapping up the last three years – so he, here's something I, I, I'll mention. Um, I owed $6 million. That's what I ended up mm. arguing my sentence down. They said I owed nine and a half. First, of course, they said you owe 15. Then it was 11 and a half. Then it got down to you owe nine and a half. Then I argued so much that they said, fine, we'll make it 6 million. And what, so what initially brought it from 15 to 11? I just argued. Just argued. I want to see the paperwork. I want to see where the loss is. I want to see where you sold the house. Uh, there's no way that there was that much of a loss. I know for a fact that this house sold for more money than I actually bought it, which would come off of my of my time. That would come off of my my uh, my loss amount. I want to see the and the FBI would not would not <laughs> send the documents. So we're coming up on my sentencing, and the FBI is not cooperating. So they finally mm. buckled and they said, "Fine, six years." Okay, and my lawyer's like the next because it goes in levels. Like the next level down was like had to be less than like three million. She goes, "Can you get it below three million if we get you the paperwork?" No, mm. no. So, Jim, does this sound standard? <clears throat> like they overshoot it that much, just kind of like hoping but, that he won't fight it. Yeah, I think it sounds like just kind of, per, you know, paralyzing him with. Numbers. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it's – there's something else that bothers me a little bit about it. What's so, that? Well, just I think the ability to to drop down that quickly, there's something more than that. I, I have a feeling – I have a bad feeling about the case. And you weren't involved in this one. <coughs> I was not we involved. We got to say that. Okay. But it's, it's, it's a little bit – sometimes you have some um, inc- incompetence that leads to having to make some concession. Yeah. As opposed to having a lid tight case um which doesn't really sound like there was there were some opportunities for you there well i think had you had the had you had maybe um i I don't even want to say that it's not i I don't know what i don't know what your situation was with defense attorney wise but if you get a guy like michael critchley if you had a guy like michael Mm -hmm. critchley here in new jersey you walk you i think you walk i'm assuming you have to pay him Yes. Yeah, yeah, you really got to pay. You didn't do anything for free. <laughs> no. but, 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 <laughs> I need free. They but, took but my I, money. I think I've told this story before. This guy, I would spend a year on a case, and I not patting myself on the back, but I was a pretty good agent. And um, 
I would walk into a trial that he was opening for and he was going after, you know, representing his client vigorously and the opening would get done. And I'd usually say, shit, I might have fucked this case up. Felt <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> like I had it so, now before like, you start so talking. I'm saying it. I think right. this guy's innocent. You know, the jury's like, that guy didn't do shit. You know, yeah. you idiot FBI agent. Yeah. I think, sometimes we save the day, sometimes we wouldn't. So. I think psychologically here, the issue is that you admittedly, like, in front of court, we're guilty of all these things. So it's easy. They have all the psychology but, but on their side the to level. do but something. But yeah. would he have with Critchley? He would have never gotten to that level. Yeah. So he would have never been talking to them. And Should basically, they would have just been, but you know, I mean, also, you're looking at another million and a half dollars, yeah. you know? So no. Yeah. no, they wouldn't give me any of my money. <laughs> any of that money I rightfully stole. You rightfully I stole. I rightfully stole Fine that arts money. Degree and they, got then it. they took it. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and with that crazy Salvation Army picture, I mean, I don't know how much oh we could have done. I love that picture. So, I, I need that picture. That's the best thing ever. So w- what <sighs> happens is, um, you know, so I, I remember I, I went, I still owe like, I owe like $6 million. So uh, do you know what FRP is? It's the, it's basically you have to, um, is it FRP? Yeah, Federal repayment program okay all right yeah yeah yeah, you have to make payments right even when you're in prison you have to make payments so they give you a job and you make like 12 dollars an hour doing your job and they want you to pay 150 dollars a month you know what i'm saying it's like you only make 12 dollars an hour or or do you make that much i mean a month oh a month month. i was gonna say no is they like pay nothing in prison is what i always thought yeah yeah i thought you said 12 dollars an hour i probably did what the fuck sorry so I go to my counselor and I remember we're sitting there. My, I, Within a day or so, I'm at my counselor. I've got a cell and I, I go to the counselor because you have to see them. And so I sat there and she says, um, Mr. Cox, she says, she looks through and she asks me some questions, whatever. And she says, okay, you owe, you owe like $6 million. And I was like, right. She said, well, you have to pay. You have, you have to, you're going to have to pay FRP. And I went, well, 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 no, no. I said, I don't have to pay FRP. I said, first of all, I said, I have no money. She goes, I know. Um, she said, but you know, I'm sure you'll get money sent in. I said, I'm, I'm nobody's sending me money in. And and she said, well, look, once you get a job and you get get going, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay that. I said, listen. Let, she said, we're gonna have to put you on a payment program. I said, look, let me explain. I said, <laughs> there's only one thing that my lawyer won at sentencing. I said, and that was that I did not have to pay my FRP while incarcerated. It does not start until after I get out of prison. I said, it starts upon probation. And she goes, I've never heard of that before. I said, listen, this woman argued everything. She won. She only won. I think I said two things. One, I don't have to pay interest mm. on the $6 million, mm. which she did argue that and was the only thing she won. <laughs> and I said, I said, nor do I have to start paying until I get out. And she goes, okay, well, I'll look into it and I'll let you know. I said, okay. And I left. That's untrue. Like, I, that was not true. So I, I, but I figured, fuck it. I thought she was going to say you owe $25 and I was still trying to get my mom. My mom was going to send me like 50 bucks so I could just get like, you know, not even sneakers, but get like shower slides and some coffee. So, uh, what's, what ends up happening is probably a couple months, a month or two later, um, her name was Miss Bates. She dies. So Miss Bates dies and I get called in by my next counselor Maybe a couple, but you have to get called in like every six months, right? How'd she go? Oh, she was she was a heavy smoker. She was probably only in her early fifties, but she was mm-hmm. real heavy smoker. 
Uh, really nice, nice lady, but heavy smoker, not in good health. Matt, you got to pay off <laughs> all, yeah. three packs a all day. your fucking FIP. <laughs> three packs that you can't smoke in federal prison. And she smoked in federal prison. And they You were can't like, smoke in federal prison? I didn't no, know that. No, no, not in the federal government. Any of the federal government buildings, nothing. She wasn't offering you a toke or something? Bro, listen, this woman, this is three packs a day. This is She didn't even need a, light, need a lighter. <laughs> She's one of those from one to the next. It's a chain smoker. Died in her sleep. So uh, a few few months later, I my next my new somebody's hands around her neck. My new counselor comes, and so he says to me, "Hey, bro, like Cox, you're supposed to be paying FRP. Why aren't you paying?" And I said, "I said, well, because my lawyer made this argument. Blah blah blah. I don't have to pay till I'm this." I said, "Miss Bates checked it out. She, I said, she saw it. I said." And I don't, she said, I don't have to pay. And, he, and I said, check it out. I said, it's in my file. My file's right here. My file's this thick and it's right here. I go, check it out. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I will. I will. He, and he says, all right. He said, well, you know, I'll check it out. I'll let you know. I said, okay. I leave. Eight months later, I have we have what's called team. We go to team. Unit manager's there. Counselor's there. And whatever, some other idiots there and we're sitting there and we're all t- and they're all t- asking me well you know god cost you got forever bro you know geez i don't like there's not much we can even tell you how to they trying to try to tell you how to prepare to get out they're like you know matt you got a college degree you're teaching ged you're teaching the real i'm teaching the real estate class at this point by the way <laughs> i teach the re- i teach residential real estate for the for him i got about 30 40 guys and i don't you have- ever go off the uh off the lesson manual and teach the I, you Matt could, Cox manual you could in the medium because those guys won't tell on you, right? Like openly tell on you. Like you can say, look, I'm going to show you how to hide a down payment. <laughs> and I, they'd be like, holy shit. Oh, I do all kinds of stuff. So I would do that. And, and not just that. What was great about that was that these guys don't want ha- – let's say if there's 35 guys in the class, 25 of them don't even want to be there, mm. right? So maybe maybe 20 of them don't want to be there. So I would tell them like, listen, bro, if you all don't want to be here, leave. Like leave – I'll f- I know you want your certificate, so I'll fill out all the paperwork. I'll do all the tests. You give me two coffees and like three creamers or two creamers. And so I mean literally I had my my shit was packed with creamers <laughs> and, and coffee. So I don't need my mom to send me money because I've got this going on. So, you know, or go get me commissary for this or whatever. And they no problem, Cox. Gotcha. So so that's fine. So when I get called in, they're like one. You know, Cox, like you, they're asking me all these questions and they're like, look, you're not paying, you're on, F, why aren't you on FRP refusal? I go, why would I be? And they're like, because you're not paying your FRP. And I said, I don't have to pay my FRP. And you understand they automatically take it mm. out of your account. Yeah. They're like, it's never been set up. I go, it hasn't been set up because, and then I explain, Mrs. Bates, this is what happened. She checked it out. That's it. I said, then Mr. Johnson or Mr. I think his name was like Hernandez or something. Mr. Hernandez checked it out. I said, I said, and he agreed, I don't have to pay it. Now keep in mind, he's sitting right here. <laughs> and he goes, Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's in his file. His his lawyer made this argument and she uh she won. He doesn't have to pay he doesn't have to pay um interest or his restitution until he she is well he was well he pays when he gets out on probation. And the, they're like, Oh, okay, okay, cool. I get up and they go, Okay, you're good. I leave. A year later, I come in, my I, well, six months later, another counselor meeting. I got a new counselor now. Why aren't you paying FRP? I said, man, you guys need to make talk a, to each other. Make a note, bro. No. I said, here's make what happened. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I go through it again. He's like, okay, well, I'll check it out. I said, all right, man. My next team, same when I this time, luckily, when I walk in and they say, Cox, you're not paying. Oh, that's right, you don't have to pay. 
That's right. No, he doesn't have to pay. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I'm Okay, I get up and leave. This goes on for three years. I never make a payment. So I then get transferred to the low. By the time I get transferred to how how far in is this? Three years. Mm. By the time I get transferred to the low, this is just before I get transferred to the low. It's been years. So it's been a couple of years. Let's say let's say two years in. So I get a year in the ha- year in the U.S. Marshals holdover. Then I get sentenced. I've been in two years. One day, I start getting letters from um, a reporter, and the reporter says, "Will you answer some questions about this politician that you brought, or that I? It's my understanding that you brought helped get him elected." And the <laughs> FBI asked me about it, and I, I had, I had. I gave him like twenty one grand. His whole campaign was run on like thirty thousand dollars, and I paid him twenty one thousand. <laughs> when was this? That's that's how I do it, bro. <laughs> yeah, so, I so, like it. I, he, Jim, he's, can you toss that on airplane mode before I forget to tell you that? Sorry. So you you, you have to you have to understand that that I owned a hundred vacant lots in Ebor City before I was ever arrested. Right. So I wanted those those were all single family houses. I wanted them. I wanted them rezoned residential. So if that have a million dollars in mm. lots, they're now worth three or four million dollars. And if I need to get you elected to get you to do that, like that's not hard. That's an easy, yeah, easy contribution. Yeah, that's you get that. That's huge money. That's just good business bribing a politician. So I bribe this politician. I get him elected. The problem is he didn't get elected and say, okay, I'm all good. I'm elected. What happened was the FBI had investigated him. Because when they investigated me, they noticed that Brandon Green, James Red, <laughs> Lee Black, every all these guys all had, contributing to his had contributed to his campaign. Can you remind people out there who haven't heard your story before about so the FB, who these guys so, were? So your campaign contribution reports are showing these different people at the rate, whatever. Yeah, but it was, Jim, did you hear their? Did you hear, did you hear their names? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so so I, I named had them all after Red Reservoir Green. Dogs. Yeah, love it. Fake I people. had like David <laughs> Pink, David Silver. Uh, William Blue, you know, all oh those guys. God. So, Mr. so pink. Um, and keep in mind, too, I got family members that gave him 500 mm-hmm. bucks. I've mm-hmm. got multiple corporations that gave him $1,000. So he can't, it's it's like, you've got tons of people who have given you, you know, it, it's, it only came to about 14,000. The rest was cash. But mm. the day I pulled the money out in cash, I gave him like 7,000 in cash. The next day he deposited 6,000 in cash. Only time he ever deposited mm. cash the entire time. And you can see 7,000, 6,000. So he pocketed a grand. My point is the FBI showed. So one day a reporter writes me a letter and I said, and he says, can I ask you some questions? I call my lawyer. She says, absolutely answer his questions. I answer his questions. He writes an article. He keeps telling me, I'm going to come see you. Before I publish the article, I need to come see you. I said, okay. Then one day I get called to the lieutenant's office. I'm like, what's up? And he throws a front cover of the St. Petersburg Times, and it's my picture <laughs> on the front cover of the St. Pete Times. And it says – it's something like jailhouse or letters from a, a jailhouse you know, cooperator <laughs> or something. That's like – You're like, I could work with that. Oh, my god. So – Yeah, no. I was, I was telling you to pull up his, uh, pull up his uh, mugshot again. The the woman oh. poster, but yeah, okay, keep going. So what happens is, like, that's not good. That doesn't make me look good. So what happens is they throw me in the shoe. I'm in the shoe for whatever f- three weeks, four weeks. I don't want to make it sound like it. Won't, 
was it? Might have been solitary confinement. Yeah, might have might have been forty five. Might have been forty uh, forty. And this days. is just based on the article that came out. Yeah, because obviously, they're well, they're no, no, they're not pissed. It's that I'm clear in the article. It clearly says that Mr. Cox is cooperating with the FBI, or it was questioned by the FBI for this. Mr. Cox mm. cooperated, and now I'm writing letters to a politician, mm. a black politician, that it obviously I'm trying to get indicted. For bribery. Okay. All, right. All right. So Real fast, Matt. I just want to check the audio. Give me one sec. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so I am a white guy in a prison that is 60, well, more like 70 to 80% black, who is clearly cooperating against a black politician. That's not good for me. Mm. You see, you, that's why they threw me in the shoe and said, hey, you know, like you got for your own protection, yeah, your own protection. Now, by the time SIS finally saw me, I was like, look, man, I'm not worried. You can put me back on the pot. Uh, you put me back on the on the compound. You know, nobody's going to bother me. And I remember I said, <laughs> I said, listen, bro. I said, listen. I said, if you scream snitch on this compound, I go, half the compound would turn around. And he, <laughs> and he, and SIS said more than that. Mm. He said, listen, he said 90% of the people in federal prison have cooperated. He said, but 100% of them are lying. Mm. He said, so they're all going to be offended by what you did. And he said, okay. He said, he said, so I'll put you back on, on the compound. If you have any problems, let me know. And I said, okay, cool. No problem. And I go back on the compound and it's not like I was, you know, friendly with a bunch of people anyway. Like I'd only been there. Well, I'd been there a year or two, a couple of years. Anyway, um, nobody bothered me. I think I had one guy that came up and told me that they didn't, the, the white, the stand up white guys didn't want me to walk the yard anymore. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go walk the yard anymore. Cause I just figured I'm just going to get beat up. Like I'll just get beat up. It's fine. I've been beat up before. You know, you, I know you look at me and you think tough guy, but I've, <laughs> I've been beat up before. So I thought I'll get beat up. It'll be fine. Um, and How so, many times have you been beat up in prison to this point? In prison at yeah. that point? No, I've only actually been – I've only had one really, really two two problems. I only really had one what problem. What were they over? Physically actually got – twice when I actually got – one guy jammed his finger in my eye, was yelling at me and hit oh. me, jammed his finger in my eye. Another guy, um, he bitch slapped me. I would like to say that he punched me because it sounds more open, manly. Open but it sounds more manly, but yeah. But technically, I'm 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 past that. Why did so, he bitch slap you? Um, because we were watching we were watching TV, and he he had a sex offense. Not he wasn't there for a sex offense. He had one in the past. Mm. He had had like like a it was like a 15 year old girl or something. He was Oof. 30 something years old. He'd been caught. You know. She looked good. I was, was going to say she they, looked like she was. I'm sure she looks like she was 18 at least. But <laughs> the point is, is that you know he was big on calling people snitches and uh, and chomos. And the, but the truth is, is that but he was. But he was a chomo and a snitch. So anyway, we were watching TV. We were watching TV one day, and some chick came on. And he used to sit behind me. I used to fuck with him nonstop. I mean, I, I, was, I always fucked with him because I figured, like, I, I look, I could. I have a big mouth, and I figured either you're going to shut your mouth for the next twenty something years, and just get cancer and die, or you can run your mouth and periodically somebody will bitch slap you. Mm. Which do you want to do? I thought, well, I'm going to run my mouth because I need to have a good time. So I'm going to make the best of this. So I was watching TV one day, and the guy was behind me, 
and there was some chick walking down a beach and and I used to keep on I used to fuck with him all the time. So like people would he would say somebody would be getting released and they'd go, yeah, I'm getting released in like a couple months. I'm not sure where I'm going to go, you know, uh, probably going to go to my parents house or, you know, whatever. And then he would chime in and be like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going to go either. Because at that time, at that time, you couldn't go to a halfway house if you had a sex offense in Florida. And he's and I remember he said, yeah, I'm not even going to take halfway house. And it was like, you mm-hmm. can't go to halfway you don't house. qualify. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of like, OK. And then he was like, yeah, I'm not sure where I'm going to go yet. And I said, well, I know where you're not going to go. And you go, where's that? And I go anywhere near a church, a daycare <laughs> or fuck you, cock, fuck you. And he'd get up and walk off. So <laughs> one day and it's a big guy. He's like six foot tall, biker, mustache. Right. But oh, we're watching no. we're watching TV. In the what they call the cracker box, like the white TV room. So, <laughs> you know, heard this trip. Yeah. So we're watching TV, and this chick's walking down the beach, and he says, "He goes, uh, you wouldn't know what to do with that, would you, Cox?" And I go, "Shit, I got a better chance of hitting that than you do." And he goes, "Fuck," he said, "I want to fuck some. I'll knock your ass out and fuck you like that." And I and I said, "Well, I mean." I'm a little bit old for you, Billy. I said, plus I have my high school diploma. And he jumped up and bam, fucking just bashed. He hit me so hard. I remember thinking that someone had walked, because you would walk around with your chair over your head, right? <laughs> you know, when you go to walk down to bring your chair into the TV room, you know, you don't want to, it's, oh, it's awkward. So they yeah, walk. Yeah. I thought someone had walked in and dropped their chair on me. Like I didn't even realize he had hit me. Because you understand we were really fuck with each other. So we never got to a point where you where it was like that. And he, even though he'd scream at me, he never, I never thought he was going to physically attack me. Mm. Um, anyway, yeah, he did. Mm. And, and I remember he, I, I jumped up and called him a bunch of names. He called me a bunch of names. Then he turned around and walked off. Okay, fine. Mm. I sit back down and one of the guys in the TV rooms goes, bro, you okay? And I was like, yeah, fuck him. He goes, no, no, you okay? And I went, yeah, I'm okay. He's no, bro, go look in the mirror. You're not okay. And I went, I half my eye bloodshot, completely oh, Capillaries, yeah. whatever, blown gotcha. out, right? And I mean, I was like, oh, shit. Concussed. So I, I hid, like tried to hide from the guards all for the for count. I mean, they, I got through two counts. I got through the whole thing. And then people, a couple of people dropped notes saying, hey, there was a fight. Cox and Billy were in a fight. And so after count, they called me in. This was at the low. They tell on each other left and right at the low. So uh, I went in there and I walked in. I'm like, yeah, what's up? And they're like, and you know, I'm like, what's up? And they're like, no, no, Cox. No, no. <laughs> Look what happened. I'm like, and Billy walks in too. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm assuming you know what happened, you know? And I'm like, and he goes, he's like, yeah, you two were in a fight. I said, no, 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 no. I said, a fight assumes that we both took part. I said, I was physically assaulted. And I go, by douche, by this fucking motherfucker right here. And he goes, fucking hey, cock, what the fuck? And I go, fuck you. They take us to the fucking shoe. I was out in like a day. Not him. No, no. He 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 actually he only had a few months left oh. on his sentence. So he, you know, he left. Um anyway, so yeah, that was it. That was the only time anything really fucked up happened. So so what happened is they put me back on after the thing when I'm in the shoe, they put me back on the yard. Okay, fine. I'm back on the yard, or sorry, the compound, whatever you want to call it, the prison. I go back to prison. Nobody bothers me. One guy says I can't walk the yard. I said, well, I'm going to go out there tonight and walk the yard. We'll see what happens. And I went out there and walked the yard with like three other guys, three, my cousin and like two other guys. We walked around. Guys got together. Little group of white guys get together, and they just didn't do anything. Yeah. So nobody ever bothered me, right? Like, it, you know, we're not friends. So 
a f- so basically a few months later, the, or no, like a couple, two, three weeks later, the FBI shows up. And they show up, and I get called into medical. What agent do you remember? Oh, yeah, I remember. Um, one of them was Agent uh, Leslie. I forget her last name. No, no, Leslie Nelson. Super nice. Very, you know her, Jim? Uh, she's Don't. in Tampa. Really nice. Uh, she's not there anymore. Um, I think she she works like private investigator or something now. But mm. she was there for like 20 years. She retired. Really nice person. Her and another guy showed up. And so they show up and they sit down and they have a conversation. They're like, hey, we're here to talk about what happened with this. The politician. Yeah, the politician. Yeah. And the one guy's like, what happened? How did it go about? And I was like, well, you guys already told you this when we talked before. <laughs> like, and, and so did all my co-defendants that already told them because my co-defendants had all given them 500 bucks a piece. <laughs> so, you know, they're like, okay. So we talk and I explain what happens. And the guy says, okay, well, you know, his name was Michael the the politician's name was Kevin? Kevin Kevin White. Yeah. And I go, right. And he said, You had were running a scam in the name Michael White. And I go, right. And he said, So your the statute of limitations is up on the bribery charge. And I went, okay. He said, but you used money from the from the bank fraud charges to give to him in order to get him elected. And I went, right, right. And <laughs> yes. he goes, he is right. He said, so in, for instance, he said, we know you took $7,000 out this day and he deposited 6,000 the next day. And w- your co-defendant, which my, well, my co-defendants had told him specifically, they took the money out, gave it to me and knew I was giving it to him. Mm-hmm. So they're like, they're like, so I, I'm like, right. And he goes, so it, nobody would believe if he said, like, if he knew about he knew about the bank fraud, and his name is Kevin White, Kevin Michael White, by the way. Kevin Michael White, and your guy's name is Michael White. He's like, I mean, nobody would believe that he wasn't involved. He said he must have been involved, right? And I was like, and no. Like, I like where your head's going. No, I didn't because I'm still <laughs> green as fuck. So I went I, – I looked at him and I said, no, I know, but it's, it was just a coincidence. Like I, I said, it's – you know. <laughs> and he's looking at me like – Help me out, Cox. <laughs> more like help me out. And he looked at me and he's like, yeah, but you understand that no jury would believe that. I said, I know, but it's just like coincidence. Unless. No, I didn't because uh, I, I wasn't. You understand? I just I just sat there because still didn't. my public defender continually told me, do not fucking lie to the FBI. Do not lie to the Secret Service. Do not lie to these people because they don't want to give you anything. And they will do anything to justify not giving you something. So if you lie to them and they catch you in a lie, they won't give you anything. Do not lie to them. That was good advice. I I felt like – oh, listen. If I knew then what I knew now, I would have been – it was his idea. (laughs) I'm surprised it took you this long. I wanted to go with Kevin, but he insisted to go with his middle name. Like I, I would have buried that fucking guy. Are you sure? Yeah. But I didn't know any better. It was just I'm stupid. Positive. I didn't know how they work. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway. This was such a good idea bringing you in. For oh, this. my God. So he leaves. So so they leave. And um, it's funny because when I went back and told my cousin, I said, yeah, he kept saying this and this and this. I said, I felt like he was like, you're a fucking re- right? like, You're a fucking <laughs> idiot. Are you stupid? And I was like, well, I don't understand. So anyway, what what ends up happening is this, is that um, Leslie Nelson comes back a couple weeks later. She's – now they're investigating my old fraud. Mm. 
So she starts bringing in boxes and she starts coming like every month or so. And she comes like five, six times over the next six or eight months. And then I get moved to the low and then she comes back to the low. And I even told her, look, I don't think they're ever going to do anything. It's been so long. She goes, oh, they're going to do something. I said, no, no, I don't think so. But I said, I hear you. Let's work on it. I hope so. I said, but if they don't, you have to promise me you will write me a letter saying that you have recommended that I get a reduction. And she goes, I will write you that letter. And it was just a verbal agreement with her. Just a verbal agreement. And so at some point, she comes back to me one day and she says, Matt, she showed up with nothing. I knew I was screwed. And I was <laughs> like, what's up? And I said, what's going on? You don't have any files. <laughs> and she was like, I talked to Robert Mazakowski and he said that the entire fi- – like the financial collapse – you know, like it, we're still prosecuting people for, you know, $200 million, $300 million loans or, or more uh, in, in mortgages and fraud and everything. Like your case is super old and at this point it's, it's, it's basically a historic case for us and there's no mm-hmm. reason why wouldn't we prosecute lo- bad ca- cases from a year ago or as opposed to ones that are four and five years old. Right. And I was like, I understand. And she said, so we're not going to do anything. I'm so sorry, Matt. I said, you promised me that you would write me. And she pulled out the letter right then. She goes, I already wrote the letter. That's Mm -hmm. cool. And I I looked at it and I said, can you do me a favor? Can you change? And I made a couple changes. You know, I said, can you change this, this, and this? She goes, tell me whatever you want me to change. Mail it to me. I'll mail you back. She said, you can keep this one. Let's stand up. She was super – Did she do it? Did she send it back to you? Absolutely. She made the changes. Yeah. Which were basically – Almost exactly what the Rule 35 said, that Mr. Cox has helped further the investigate. Like, I knew what to say by now. Absolutely. Yeah. Obviously, that's... Anyway, I'm at the, but I'm at the low now. So I'm at the low, and I start writing my own story. Quick question on yes. the low, because you already mentioned, like, some differences between low and medium. But what's what's the biggest day-to-day stuff at the low that makes it so much better? It, it doesn't. It was horrible. I didn't want to go to the low at all. I was on a routine. I had a good routine going on. There's no benefits? I mean, there's better people. So it's – it's boy, this is going to sound Rachel. But it's really not. If you had been – in anybody in prison would be like, yep, I get it. There's maybe 30 guys, 30 white guys at the, at the, at the medium, mm. right? Like there's a few hundred white guys. So if you want to – if you're 30 guys and eight, there's 1,800 guys and 12 to 1,400 of them are black well, and yeah, the rest are Hispanic, yeah. like you feel really uncomfortable. Like it, it's it's not a good situation. Because and in prison, each the way you've explained it to me is each of the races like stick together. Yes, too. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, not that – once again, no, nobody gave me a hard time. Like all the black guys, super cool to me. Mexicans, super. The, the only people that gave me a hard time at all, really, the only time was the white guys. Mm. That's it. So it wasn't that much of a benefit, gotcha. Right. So, but I, then I, I go to the low. So I go to the low, and um, I get there, and you don't have your own room. I mean, you have your own room, but it's like the, you don't have a cell where you can close the door. So it's loud all the time. And so you're on – there's a th- – there's cubes. There's no toilet. You have to – you're. it's like you're using a public toilet. It's in public. You know, it's – it sucks. Mm. And and it's also – the medium was very clean because it's just me and my celly that have to keep the toilet clean. We have to keep everything clean. We're cleaning at least once a day. Um, You go there and, and these guys are pigs because nobody knows if you – if you piss on the on the toilet, nobody knows. Mm-hmm. You walk in, you pissed on the toilet, you pissed on the ground, whatever. You walk away, they don't clean it up. Well, they don't want to clean it up because they don't want to, one, clean theirs. But two, well, there's other splatter and there's other stuff from other guys. They don't want to deal with that. 
Mm. I'm not going to clean his. But you just pissed on the toilet or you just pissed on the urinal or on the wall or whatever. You're just a – listen, these guys are doing drugs. There's way more drugs there. So they're they're lunatics. They're falling around trying to go to the bathroom or puking or doing whatever. It's, it's disgusting. So I get there. I, I get there. I go. I meet my counselor. He says, you owe $6 million in restitution. Mm. And I go, right. And he says, yeah, well, you're not on FRP refusal. Why aren't you? I said, bro, I said, man, listen, I said, I've been through this with Miss Bates, Mr. So-and-so, Mr. So-and-so. I said, I don't have to pay. I said, you can look at my, you know, thing. And I told him the same thing. He's okay. I'll check it out. He said, your file hasn't gotten here yet. He just had the computer or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. I was like, okay. And then maybe a week later, my case manager calls me in. And while I'm talking to her, she goes, why aren't you on FRP refusal? You have never made a payment. And I went, I don't know. And just then my case manager walks in and I said, his name is Mr. Smith. I go, ask Mr. Smith. He checked it out. He's checked what out? I said, the fact that I don't have to pay restitution. He's like, yeah, yeah. I just got his file. Yeah, he don't, he doesn't have to pay restitution. He never underestimate the laziness oh, of a yeah. government employee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is, that this, is the truth. I, I'll, I'll wrap that up so that I don't have to keep going through this the whole time. Right. That went on until a couple months before I got out of prison. It's amazing. I've made one FRP payment the entire time <laughs> in amazing. 13 years. Wow. One. Because, and by the way, multiple counselors, multiple unit managers, multiple case managers across the board. Never called. I'm it. not surprised at that. Me either. No. Mm. Um, so what, what ends up happening is I start writing my own story. Well, but, but quick question. Did you like... How you get sentenced to twenty six years? You're gonna try to knock time off it. Obviously, we we know you ended up doing that. But like, you'd been in jail for a year leading up to your sentencing. Then you get to Coleman pretty quickly. Did you have a day? You know, three months, six months, whatever it was in, where you're like, holy shit! Like, this is gonna take a while. Like, where it just kind of hits you. Like, it hit you in court. We know that. But like. Did it hit you when you were in there? Like, holy right. fuck, I can't get out of here? So probably a few months before I get out or get moved from the medium to the – from the med- – well, I'm sorry. When when the FBI agent – so I'd just been moved to the low. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's right. So when she came and told me that, they're not going to prosecute. But she gave me that letter. I ended up calling my my lawyer, talking to her and saying, what's going on? At this point – um, so she, she basically, it says, Matt, I'm sorry. I've talked to Gail McKenzie. She's not going to reduce your sentence. They, they didn't prosecute in the secret service didn't prosecute. And there were multiple people that the secret service could have prosecuted. They didn't prosecute. And the FBI isn't going to prosecute. There's nothing you can do. And I was just like, I mean, she's in tears. She's crying. I'm like, you know, I'm done. I'm, what am I going to do? And you know what's so funny is that a few months after that, I got a letter from American – a TV show called American Greed. Mm-hmm. So American Greed said, we want to interview you. Oh, my gosh. So I call my – I, mean, I call my lawyer and she says, hey, she had like already gotten a call or she called the U.S. attorney, Gail McKenzie. And Gail McKenzie said, hey, I got a letter from American Greed. They want to interview me. They want to interview <laughs> you and they want to interview Matt Cox. I want him to do it. We will consider it substantial assistance. She says, you said that last time. She said, Millie, 
that's my lawyer's name. I know what I said before. It just wasn't enough, but the two of these together will be enough. And I get to be on TV again. Of course she does. Was it CNNBC? Uh, yeah, it was on CNBC. Yeah, CNBC. I watched, I watched, I didn't like did. actually watch it, but there was one time in college, obviously long before I knew you, right. where that was on in the background. Like, that, I remember that. That episode? Yes. Because we had Solomon Dweck too. Dweck I definitely like there. did it. I was not active. Yeah. It was like on the TV because we'd have the TV on in the room. You know what's but... amazing though? I get, I love that agent for standing up, for being a stand up person, but it just, be, that's pure, that whole process is pure laziness. Not to follow through right. and to just get you closed out. Whatever it looked like needed to be closed at that time. It needed to be closed. It should have never dragged on beyond where she – obviously, she must have had a knockdown drag out U.S. Attorney's Office well, because they I, were like, they I, were like, we're not – oh, we, we now have $300 million cases, so we're just going to let a case float. Right. That's bullshit. That's a lazy. And, that's a lazy assistant United States attorney. That's it, what it is. And it's not like you don't have the paperwork. It's not like you didn't right. have it's every, easy. Everybody had cooperated. It's easy. It's an easy. It's an easy close. Yeah. So w- what ends up happening is, um, I hate that shit. The really do. She, she says, you know that she says do the do the do American greed. So my my judge actually wrote a letter to the warden asking him to let the cameras in. Oh, because you're in federal, yeah. yeah. And okay. the the warden said, no, absolutely not. He can do a telephone interview. Mm. So I do a telephone. But they still played it. Like they mm. still, you know, it, it wouldn't have mattered if I, if if it wouldn't have mattered if I'd been right. in the film. Yeah. Right. So I'm I do the interview on the you know uh, on the two days. Go to the warden's office. Do a whole thing. They use all of maybe three minutes of it. Uh, they interview Gail McKenzie. They interview the Secret Service agent. You know. They make me – I always will say this. I'm not even going to say this anymore. I'm going to say they make me look bad. They're about 99% accurate. Mm. But you know that 1% upsets me. <laughs> um, I didn't like some of their adjectives. <laughs> but they were fairly accurate. They were fairly accurate. There was one or two things that were said that it was like, okay, that's not exactly what happened. And what was that? It's stupid stuff. Like they – you know, what happened was the – I had convinced a doctor – and his wife to owner finance a house. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I give him twenty five thousand dollars down to owner oh, finance a house this. for like two fifty. Yeah. Um, they had a a sick child, right? That needed to have like a surgery or something. Well, what the it, they were the Browns. It was Doctor Brown. Well, I think her name was Bridget. Bridget Brown says on the TV show that Mister Cox knew. That we had a sick child, a, a terminally ill sick child, mm. which did not die. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess maybe she hadn't had the surgery or something, but he's, he didn't die. He had to have a few surgeries and said that Mr. Cox knew we had a, 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 a sick child and he targeted us and um, put us in financial strain, right? That wasn't true. They technically didn't. Now, they, they'll say they lost 12 grand. But they don't count the fact that I gave them $25,000. I gave them $25,000. They then got the house back, resold it, got another $25,000. So they, if you do the numbers, they didn't lose it. They didn't lose any money. But the, that's not the point. The right. point is, is the that – The story, they need to tie it together. I get it. Yeah. And, and I get it. Like it, it's, it's like I've said. It's me arguing. They're saying I killed 15, 15 people and I'm saying I only killed 13. Right. You're still a scumbag. Right. So it's not a good argument for me. 
But the point is, is that what she's saying is that I knew she had a sick child. I, I never went, even went upstairs to the house. I walked in the house, walked downstairs, looked up staircase, said, let's put a, let's put a contract in it, on, in on it. We put a contract on like three houses that day. I'm just trying to get somebody to finance their house. I don't know anything about you. I met them the day of the closing, signed some paperwork. I don't even know if they have kids, right? Like, I mean, I guess I assume they had some kids, but I don't know if they're sick kids. I don't know anything about it, but they, you know, they always want to make it look worse than it It sells too. It sells the story. You know, and I get it. I understand, but it's like what I did was bad enough. Mm. I don't need you to make it worse. Right. You know, I trust, I promise you, I will get enough time. Like you don't have to make, well, I'm afraid he's going to get a slap on the wrist, so I'm going to lie. Well, you're already in prison at this point, too. No, no, no. This, this was, yes, but- that was uh, that was a common theme. Really, I think it was pushed by the U.S. Attorney. To of be course, it was. So, and keep in mind, this is a woman that said I had a machine gun. Never had. It. She knew I didn't have a machine gun. <laughs> she knew I didn't have a gun. She told the judge I had a machine gun. I had a gun. All, all kinds just of lies. things, which is just lies. But we we had had we'd been burglarized. Like we we had that. Remember the home invasion? I had a home. Did in- you tell that story on the podcast? Yeah, we had a home yes, invasion. Yes, 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 yes. So yes, I had a home yes, invasion. Yeah. And when I filled out my the homeowner's insurance report, I was trying to maximize the amount of money I could get on my homeowners, right? <laughs> so they were like, did you have any guns? Like, they'll give you up to like $2,500 oh, no. in guns. So I put, yeah, I put like, we put like Machine a- Machine gun. Yeah, we put like AR-15 or something. We put like uh, this. And then she gets in- <laughs> Artillery pieces. Right, she gets in there and says, and, and she asked me like, when did you, where did you buy the, the, the gun? I said, I don't have a gun. And I said, you can ask – I said, no, no, we just did that because we were trying to – like I said, I had two computers. I said I had like all these things I didn't have. And I was like, no, we just trying to get the most we could get from the insurance money. And she's like, oh, OK. I said, you can ask Amanda. We never had a gun. I, I never had any. There's no AR-15. There's no – or whatever the gun was that we said we had. Mm-hmm. We never had one. She gets in front of the judge and says, Mr. Cox had a machine gun. <laughs> he had – like, what the f-? And I'm, you know, I'm like hitting my lawyer. Like, what the f-? And she's like, that. don't say anything. Don't say anything. You don't want to say anything. So you remember that was a lie. It just <laughs> that was another kind of fraud. Yeah, By just, the way, can I get my Babe Ruth ball back? Just, <laughs> just blatantly lying. So it's terrible. Anyway, <sighs> m- the point is, is that uh, they do the American greed. The American greed comes out. Mm. When it comes out, I'm calling. Now I'm calling my lawyer. I'm calling Millie. Hey, what's going on? Are they going to reduce my sentence? Yeah. Am I getting credit for this? Right. You said they said they'd give me substantial assistance. And I even had a letter. I had an, an email from the U.S. attorney to Millie that said, Mr. Cox, we will consider this substantial assistance and we will reduce the there sentence. There it is. Yeah. Okay. So when she – Millie, after about three months – oh, and by the way, the, the guy uh, – so she goes to – Millie goes to the U.S. attorney, catches up with her in an uh, in an elevator and says – Here's what happened. What's going on? It, it came out. You said you'd reduce the sentence. She said, I said I would consider it, and I did, and it's not enough. Oh, my God. Again. So about the same time that's happening, I get contacted by a guy named Jim Montram. He owns the National Loan Origination School, mortgage school. Uh-huh. So the Dodd-Frank Act said that all – all mortgage brokers in the United States have to take nine hours of continuing education courses. Three hours of that is on ethics and fraud. <laughs> he came to me and he said, look, you're one of the only people out there that committed bank fraud on a, on a large scale. And you've committed fraud on every – there's like eight types of bank fraud, let's say, six, I think. Mm-hmm. 
You've hit every single one of these you've done personally, and you are a licensed mortgage broker. I'd like to have you help me write this course. I said, um, okay, can you call my lawyer? Great. Calls my lawyer. He flies up to Atlanta. I think he drove. Drove up to Atlanta, met with my lawyer and the U.S. attorney, and she said, absolutely, if Mr. Cox does this, we'll reduce his sentence. So I write a 9,500-word course. It starts getting used. I've got my my um, my ex-wife, I'm calling my ex-wife. She's like, I get calls like every week or so from people saying, I just took the mortgage class and it's your, your ex-husband. There's a whole <laughs> portion of it that you wrote. People are saying left and right. So I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Several people write letters. Jim Montrum writes a letter. Millie schedules an appointment with the U.S. attorney, goes in, puts the letter down, says, boom, they're using it. It's great. It's wonderful. Here's some – here's a two-page letter from Jim Montrum. Here's several of his class, of his students that have said what a great thing it is here. And she says, Millie, it's just not enough. So It's just bad ethics. Right. So at this, at this point, I don't – I'm writing my book. I, I'm writing. A, I'm right in the middle of writing a memoir. Right? Had you written before, like in your life at all? I had written earlier when I was. But, but I like written like a, a a novel. I wrote like a novel. That's right, and it was like kind of bait. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I I threw it in the drawer. I never tried to get it published. It was just something to do. Right. Like full, like fraud is not a full time job. Right. I need something to do. So I wrote. I you know I like writing. It was kind of like a Jim Grisham kind of my because. By the way, because now you are a published author. I mean, you're going to explain how all this happened. But how many books have you published now since you got out? Not since I got out. I think I published like five when I was in and maybe th- two or three since I got out. Three wow. since I got out. Okay. So and what they're is available that, like, on Amazon. Eight, something like eight, six or eight, eight books. I'll put the link down in the description, Matthew Cox on Amazon. A lot of, We're going to talk about some of the guys you wrote because you wrote about – I mean, you wrote the basis, the book that became the basis of War Dogs. Which we're definitely going to talk about. So anyway, okay. not exactly what happened, but yes, <laughs> I, I wrote I wrote um, Ephraim Devaroli's memoir, which is who Jonah Hill plays in the movie War Dogs. Right. Right. Sued Warner Brothers, sued Ephraim Devaroli. That in and of itself, by the way, is a book. Didn't you settle I, that in a strip club or something? We did strip. Right. We settled the, the lawsuit in the Pink Pony in Miami. Love that. Love I'm that sure you know the Pink Pony. Um, Unless it's been there a few times. Uh, as a matter, he's like a big god. Guy. As a matter of matter of fact, I wrote a whole. I wrote a book about the lawsuit called "Dude, Where's My Hand Grenade," and it's on Amazon. Link it's in description. Hilarious. I'm trying to get Danny right now to do a sizzle reel. We'll talk to him. Yeah, he's got to do it. Oh, he's got, bro. It's, it's he's got to do it. It's it, it's it's. Listen, we got almost everybody lined up. Dude, yeah, where's my hand grenade? Yeah, I miss Danny making, and I didn't know him when he was doing this, but like if you watch the shit he made, he's so oh, talented he, he, at he's that, super bro. Talented. Oh my God. I'd love to see him get back, but he's just so, he works so hard on all this other shit. Because you know? those are the real people. That's the real Ephraim Devaroli. That's the yep. real Pack House. Yep. Yep. As opposed, to, as opposed to the movie. So crazy. So you're right. You were saying you started writing your memoir a little right, bit. Right. So I started writing my memoir. And now at this point, at this point, I've been locked up six years. And I realize they're not going to reduce my sentence. Mm. No matter what I do, they're not going to reduce is your, it. Is your attorney – is it still the same attorney? Yeah. Still and she, Millie? And is she trying to so, so here's the problem. pursue I, this? No, because here's why. She's in the 11th Circuit. She's been turned – You know, in the 11th Circuit, like you said, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. It's horrific. If I had been in somewhere in California, they're, they're pretty liberal. 
Like they're, they'll go, oh, that's not right. We need to reduce this sentence. But you're in, in Florida. I'm in Florida and it's very, very, I don't want to say backwoods, a good old boy kind of like, yeah. nope. Yeah. Very, very tough on crime um, to the point of not following the law. Mm. Um, so what happens is um, I, I, I eventually, I'm so frustrated. I don't know what to do. Um, and at this point, it's like, okay, you're, they're not going to reduce your sentence and nobody's getting arrested. Because, by the way, that – that remember the, the politician? Yeah. Kevin. They they indicted him. Not, oh, he went to prison? He did. Yeah, but they not, went through with it. But not on mine. They indicted him because he was – that guy that I told you was telling me, hey, bro, wink, wink. He was actually in the middle of a, a case against him. Mm. Mm. And he indicts him on bribery. And Kevin White goes to trial like an idiot and loses and gets three years. Yeah. And um, but they never call me. Like you could have called me to say this is what happened in my case. Well, the statute of limitations is up, but here's what happened. Never called me. That's interesting. I'm sure there's a reason that um, a, a, a technical reason that I don't understand, but I felt like they could have done something. Yeah, maybe Do because you think- it's outside the statute, but it is continuing. You know, kind of a continuing sc- scheme on his part. He's already predicated on that maybe, portion of it. So uh, maybe if they there's had a chance that they should have uh, wanted to, but they didn't. I agree with you. They should have, but they didn't. Maybe if and I'm I know nothing about the case, so I can't really say. Yeah, we'll put him in the corner of the screen. But maybe if they thought they had such an airtight case on on the latest charge they're working on with him, they wouldn't want to bring in a convicted fraudster as a witness for fear of being like ripped. Up, you know what I mean? Possible. Yeah. Is that possible? But even even continuing behavior. You know, yeah, I, I was mean, just say, listen on the indictment phase at least, at least at some portion. Yeah, I mean, once he's indicted and goes to try and chooses to go to trial, what an idiot! By the way, it's pretty. Um, it's but whatever. It, it's pretty hard to dispute Mr. Red's check, Mr. Green's <laughs> check, Mr. Silver's check, Mr. Blue's check, Mr. Black's check. My mom, my dad, my all of my co-defendants who have all said I never met the guy. Matt was bribing him. Every single one was like, no, no, Matt was bribing the guy to get his his all his properties. What did he do? Was same type of situation here same uh, yes he was or promising was he was promising someone that he could get them the hills the hillsborough county rights for um a towing <laughs> he has nothing to do with towing but he had a tow co- truck company that he was saying like i can get you the tow truck um contract for the hillsborough a, county wow and they Which gave is, him like they gave him a car they yeah. give thousands <laughs> free of dollars. Free toes. Thousands of dollars. If you ever get stuck, we'll tow you out. Yeah. Um, bought him, bought him a bunch of dinners. Gave his father a bunch of stuff. You know, just across the board, just stupidity. Oh, and then he, then he got sued a second time for sexual harassment. Hmm. Like he hired this young. Mm. Uh, um, Puerto Rican girl, and then, <laughs> and, and then, and so went then, from towing to fingering, right? And then he starts, he starts, yeah, he, he like brings it's her all, on. He's a man of brings all. her on like a like that was a. Good. That was good. What does he bring her on? He brings her on like a a junket or something. He shows up at her room at two o'clock in the morning and says, "Let's go on a junket." At two o'clock in the morning, and he said, "Um, he he's an only child. No, he he's an only he's an only child. No, no." He had siblings or something. He doesn't like to sleep alone. Could he just lay down with her and sleep with her? It's like you're, you're like beautiful. A, you're a forty year old man. This is a, like a twenty two year old girl that's not qualified to be a secretary. By the way, 
Kids, it's not hard to make it in America, apparently. I mean, Christ, it doesn't take too many brain cells. Run for office. Listen, God then he, he became Less a... Benefits. After he got out of jail, he got a job as a car salesman and worked with my ex-wife's husband. Oh, so, he, oh he became a car salesman. That's he was cute. a car That's salesman so before. Perfect. Before he was a car salesman, too. Oh, my God. No, at least he's so, sticking to his roots. Car salesman, um, city... City council, yeah. county commissioner. He's a commissioner. Oh, and, yeah, which bribing yeah. his way through that and eventually wow. Wow. goes to jail, gets out, becomes a car salesman again. So wow. anyway, <laughs> um, so I, at this point, I know they're not going to reduce my sentence. So I I go and I talk to a, a couple – a friend of mine, you know, and say, hey, how can I – what can I do? Like I, I talked to – by the way, you know who T.I. I, I, I is? Yeah, the rapper? Yeah. Tip? So tip I I actually yeah. talked to his lawyer. Interesting. So I talked to his lawyer and told him the situation, and he said, there's nothing you can do. I talked to a lawyer who was an ex-prosecutor in Tampa, and he said, there's nothing you can do. You're just done. In this district, you're done. It's not. They, they were like, first of all, I can take your money. I'll go through the motion. It's going to – but I, I, if I don't think I can – he said like – and I'm not above taking your money and trying if I thought maybe there was a chance. Mr. Cox, there's no chance. Mm. That's it. Done. You're done. Okay, fine. So there was a guy on the compound named Frank Amadeo. Oh, here we go, baby. You know about Frank, Jim? Frank Amadeo. Buckle up. Frank Amadeo was a disbarred attorney. Frank Amadeo was in prison for 22 years. Because when Frank Amadeo was 12, 11, 12, 13 years old, he started hearing the voice of God <laughs> telling him that he is preordained to be emperor of the world. He is a rapid cycling bipolar with features of schizophrenia. He's like five foot four, five five. Yeah, he's like five four, five five. Yeah, little man syndrome. Um, no, more like mental illness. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's well, that's his yeah. website, bro. You got to yeah. just just go to punch just punch in Frank Amadeo and put. There's a ton of stuff that should come up. See if there's no, a not don't put attorney. Him. Just put Frank Amadeo. Put world domination. Frank Amato. It's 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 Amadeo, not Amato. You. Amade no 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 D E O. All right. Yeah yeah. All right. We'll we'll come back to it. So anyway. It, you actually had it spelled right. Yeah, there it is, right yeah, there. See the see the second see one the down now with him. Right here. No, 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 no. The, to the right, to the right. You yeah. don't see the helicopter? Yeah, come right. On. That. So however you spell Amadeo, there it's it's A M E or A Oh, there's an O in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Amadeo, yeah. So type that in, you'll see. So this guy's sitting in there on a 22 year stint. Right. So what happened was, so he gets he gets disbarred. He becomes. He he goes to college, goes to law school, starts running a business, gets disbarred. He ends up um, becoming a venture capitalist, taking over companies, and um, and then he starts. Basically, he ends up buying and opening several of the companies are um, employee leasing companies, right? You know what that is. I don't think so. So let's say you buy a factory and you got forty, you got mm. ten thousand employees. Well, he he'll do all of your payroll, 
So he basically leases your own employees back to you, but he takes them. And that way he ends up with a company that ends up with 20 or 30,000 employees. He gets really good HMOs, you know, whatever, medical. He gets uh, he gets all these discounts, right? Well, what he does is he starts doing that for all of his own companies that he's buying, and he starts withholding the payroll taxes mm. for the federal government to the tune of over $180 million. Oh, that'll do it. He uses that money to bankroll a coup in the Congo. <laughs> Why he, the Congo? The Congo is the largest it, – it, is, it is, has the largest natural – mineral resources in the world diamonds gold um what is that metal that goes into phones um all that stuff but the problem is you can't get to it because they've been at war for 50 years he so he he tried they try to put it he backs his own candidate his candidate went from number 30 to number three (laughs) before the military came in and grabbed all of frank's guys they grabbed like 30 guys and 32 guys and they hold them for whatever for oh for nine days he negotiates. He's also, by the way, was trying to buy a fleet of uh, former of F fifteens and F sixteens. You know they de- they declaw them. You know they yeah. take the guts out of them. You can buy them, fly them to Cyprus, and Russians will put them, put all the <laughs> shit back in them. Listen, the we guy, got this. We got this. Yeah, he's ama- them he's, he's insane. He's he's amazing though. He's also amazing. He's obviously way, a brilliant. He man. is. Br- I that's how I met Bustamante because I wrote a book mm-hmm. about Frank. But the, let's go. Let's go back. So I meet Frank. Here's the problem with Frank. That's great. The problem with Frank is that Frank's he is a, a lawyer. So when he gets locked up, he starts representing clients inside the prison. But so he's a disbarred lawyer. What? Well, my buddy Pete does legal work. He's never been to law school. <laughs> you don't have to be like it, as a, as an in other in, inmates are allowed to help other inmates yes. with lawyers. So. The you. problem is, is that he's a real lawyer. He's disbarred. He's still a lawyer. He's yeah. just disbarred. Yeah. You see, it was a lottery. So he, the first thing he does is listen to what he does. <laughs> this fucking guy, man. <laughs> this, this is so. By the sis- way, that's your book on him. We'll have oh, that yeah, link yeah. in description. It's insanity: the bizarre story of a bipolar megaloma- megalomaniac's insane plan for total world domination by Matthew B. Cox. It, listen, it's, good stuff. It's 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 so. That needs it, a movie. It, it does. And you know why? Here's what's so funny about that Rockets is that launching. this is a guy – he's not pretending, by the way. He's not – it's not like it's something that he doesn't tell anybody. He will tells everybody he's going to take over the world. And actively people laugh and they jo- – he'll laugh and joke about it. <laughs> and when I interviewed some of his co-defendants, I'm like, well, he laughs and jokes about it. And I was like, so he it's not serious. And they would go, <laughs> no, no, he's, he's, he's 100% <laughs> he's serious. You know, you know that fucking Kevin, the dude you ran into – our mutual friend, the guy you ran into in, I think, the Caribbean. You know, I don't want to name drop right now. You know who I'm talking about. The dude from the from the show. I'm going to need more than the Danny dude from the show. It. Huh? You were talking to Danny about it. Kevin? Don't worry about it. Okay. I think Kevin would look at this to make this. To make something out of that. I'm, like I'm this th- guy's story? Are you fucking kidding me? I've pitched it to two or three people. The problem is that it's a big... This... It, look, the point is... Amadeo, what Amadeo does is he immediately starts teaching what's called the um, – it's the legal research class. So he starts training inmates on how to fight cases, how to do legal research on the computers and write motions mm. and how the legal system works. Big mistake so, um, for the for the 
the court system. Oh, yeah. He, he also, this is an odd thing that he did. He would sign his name. So he would say that he wrote the motion. He's oh, helping wow. you. And he's, so literally there are federal judges that would say, that would talk about Mr. Amadeo in their cases. I know that Mr. Amadeo wrote this thing, and Mr. Amadeo is saying this, and, and it's like, what are you talking about? He's he's the he's the inmate, <laughs> like that's the defendant. He's talking about Amadeo like he's your lawyer. Yeah. So what, ends what up was ha- he doing to get back? Was he getting paid for it, like in prison? No, never just, offered. Just world domination. Listen, there not, it is. Yeah. Not I want to be mean by every federal judge. Not. In yeah, he did want to be hated by every. There you so go. Not only did he not charge me, he paid for my stamps. He paid for the typing. I paid for nothing. So I go to Amadeo. I explain that. So here's the problem. I wasn't going to go to him. You understand that? I've been there for years now. I've been at the low for years. I wasn't going to go to him because he's insane. (laughs) And everybody's like, this dude's nuts, bro. This guy's really crazy. He has these manic moments where he would go nuts. He's five foot four and he's screaming at six foot tall gang members. (laughs) And it's like, you're crazy. You're going to be dead. Like, I'm surprised he lasted. As long as he did, because the truth is, but think about it. He's doing your legal work. Yeah. I could pretty much talk to you like a dog mm-hmm. if I'm doing – I'm your only hope. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing is for these guys, Frank's walking people out of federal prison. Guys have 30 years. You've done 15. He takes your case on. It's done. Nobody can help you. He takes your case on. Six months later, boom, you get walked out oh, of federal wow. prison. Instant credibility. Listen, and we're talking about yeah. every he's and he's also doing it on a massive scale. So every I'm, I'm going to say every I'm going to say once a month. It, it may have been every two weeks, but what would happen is suddenly guys would come up to me and like, bro, bro, you know Pookie? I'm like, yeah, there's ten Pookies. Yeah, which one? you know Pookie from fucking Atlanta? Yeah, 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 with the curl. Yeah, 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 with the shave that we had with the goatee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look. And I'd go, what about him? He'd go, Frank just got 10 years knocked off a sentence. He's lived for a halfway house in six months. I get the fuck out of here. Are you serious? You got to talk to Frank. He'd go, yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, boom. You know so-and-so? Yeah, immediate release. A month later, hey, hey, Cox, Cox, Cox. Uh, you, you know so-and-so? You know Jimmy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what about him? You know 25 years, right? 13. Did, yeah, did 10. Just got 10. He's leaving in two years. They're putting him in for uh, for halfway house in a, in a year. It's like, What? How? What happened? Frank, bro. So at this point, when my lawyers and all these lawyers on the street say, you're done, I go to my buddy, Turk, and I say, man, you work with Frank, right? And he's like, I've been telling you. You got to talk to Frank. I'm like, the guy thinks he's going to take over the world, bro. He's like, look, stop it. It doesn't affect his legal work. (laughs) His legal work is outstanding. It is. It's the F-16s with no guts. That's the problem. They would have had guts eventually. (laughs) (laughs) If Frank had we had will, his way, we will give them guts. Listen, if Frank had had his way, he'd have all of Africa by now. He'd yeah, be working his way through Europe. Sudan, he'd be good. So he comes. So Frank comes. Do you see all these podcasts on picture. him? All the podcasts. Danny did one. Yeah, yeah, Danny. Oh, yeah. Well, he did. That's Matt with Danny. That was a Matt podcast. Okay, a good one. Liz, did you see that one guy up here? The we'll the mad mad. Whatever his name is, he's got like a million views on his with Frank. I mean, it's such a sellable story. I always told Danny because like this thumbnail he made was fucking awesome. I always wondered why the episode just did well, but not incredibly well. Right. It's a great episode. Highly recommend. But yeah, anyway. So, so you start talking. You go to so Frank. I go, we go to Frank, and I'm just going to tell you what happens with Frank. Frank says, so I explained to Frank what's happened. They asked me to do this. 
They said, it's not enough. They asked me to do this. They said, it's not enough. They asked me to do this. They said, it's not enough. And Frank sat there and he said, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to let this happen. He said, this makes me so upset. He said, he said, when I, when my troops march on Washington, I'm going to burn the constitution and the president will kneel at my feet. And I, I glance over at Turk and Turk's looking at me like this, like, like, give it a second and he goes and frank goes i'm gonna need your transcripts i'm gonna need, your <laughs> I'm gonna need... and turk sits there and just starts writing down transcripts indictment motion <laughs> such and such pre-sentence report pre-sentence report okay i'm gonna need a 20 a form 2255 form 2255 and and i'm like okay well so you're gonna file there's something called a um there's a motion called a uh um, it's a specific performance motion you can file. And I said, so you're going to file a specific performance? And he goes, no, no, we're going to file 2255. Now, keep in mind, with a in a criminal case, after sentencing, you have one year, one year to file a 2255, which is you're saying your lawyer was ineffective. Yes. You we just covered this. I just did a case about my friend Tyree Wallace, who's in prison for life right now for a crime he didn't commit. And he turns to the sheriff and says, hey, I got a question for you. And the sheriff, I think, says, what's that? And he says, what's the penalty for perjury? One of my homies is on trial. He didn't do it. They made me say that. I didn't want to say that. And do we know, have we seen this? Do we know who the sheriff is? Yeah. Sheriff, what's his name? John Hamilton. The sheriff was relaying. Brian said he, that this wasn't true. And so they let Brian get back on the stand to say what he said to the sheriff. Pretty damn credible. Now, I have someone here who I think could help clear this up a little bit, and I'd like to bring him in if you don't mind, so we're going to have to move that table sure. in a sec, but Alessi, can you bring him in? And one of the huge Whoa. problems, one of the huge problems that they had with his case is that his lawyer was completely incompetent. The lawyer's now dead and they only had a year back then. He was a 19-year-old kid who had no idea mm, about anything. Right. And they didn't file that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's the bullshit. Fucking crazy, man. Bill Clinton. You can thank Bill Clinton for that. So mm. yeah. what ends up happening is I say, Frank, <laughs> I was sentenced six years ago. I said, I, he goes, oh, no, no, no. He said, equitable tolling, though. He said, every time they asked you to do something, Hmm. He Don't said, "Criminal should have been put in place." Yeah, yeah. He said, yeah. "He said it extends," and and I'm sitting there going. And by the way, that's not a bad argument. It, in in the eleventh, though, it almost in the eleventh circuit again never works. Right. All most everywhere of the, else, everywhere else, it would work. And and also they have certain things that's that they'll say will work. With. So they said every time they asked you to do something, you did it, and they fell through. It reset your one year. And he goes, "When was the last time mm. they asked you to do something?" And I was like, "Like six months ago." And he was like, okay, so I need you to write a letter to them asking them, you know, so we go through a whole process. He starts writing the motion. Uh, it was agony, by the way, because he's always putting you off and spinning you and, and spinning and spinning. It was agony to deal with him. But six months later, he filed, finally files just before, right? Just before the one year would have been over. That's assuming that there, you really can get the time bar, right? Like if you can really get equitable tolling, which – in the 11th, it just doesn't work, but it doesn't matter because he filed it. He filed it. They fought. We went back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. Went on for six months. Surprised it only took that long if you're going back and forth. It might, so have, been, much. might have been eight months. Still, um, that's fast for the federal government. Well, Shit. Finally, at some point, the U.S. attorney 
sends files a um, files a rule thirty five and says when it doesn't file rule thirty five says they want to stay they want to stay on the motion they want to stay on the proceedings because they're going to they want to follow rule thirty five bring me back to tr- to court and let me argue for how much I deserve. Because she said the problem is, and she said this in the court, the problem is we really don't have a precedence. We typically never give Rule 35s. We never give sentence reductions unless there's been an um, there's someone has been arrested and indicted, or indicted, arrested, and prosecuted. That is a hell of a read on that rule, man. I, I'm holy shit. Yeah, I'm with you. So <laughs> um, I know you are. So they they give me a lawyer. My law, the lawyer flies down. Her name was Esther uh, Panich, nice woman, uh, flew down to, and she sat there and came and said, okay, look, she's like, I see you've been filing these motions. She said, look, they're written well, but you really don't have much of a, a case. Like in the end, you're probably not going to get equitable tolling. You're going to be time barred. You're not going to get anything. They're offering you one year. I'm sorry. They're offering you one level, a one level reduction, which is essentially uh-huh. like 30 months off your sentence. And I went, um, I said, no, I want four levels. I said, I, I was told to argue for four levels. And she was by who? I go by this guy, Frank Amadeo. He's been writing my legal work. She says, you didn't do this? I said, no. I said, Frank did. She says, is Frank a lawyer? And I went, he, he's a disbarred lawyer. She says, is he in here? And I went, yeah. And she said, why is he locked up? And I go, he because he wants like because I said because for world domination he wants to take over the world. <laughs> I said he embezzled nearly two hundred million dollars from the federal government. He tried to take over a fucking couple of countries. I said he's buying jets. He's I said he's insane. I said but he does great legal work. And Frank said, <laughs> excellent attorney though, excellent. Attorney. I said and Frank said to, to I that not to take less than four levels. And she goes, Frank, Frank the guy who's Didn't mentally over the world, mentally inco- uh, mentally incompetent. And I went. Yes, that one. Legally incompetent. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, you know, and she went, and you're going to listen to him. I said, yeah. I said, because I said, whenever I call you people, you say not to file anything. She says, well, you can't win this. I go, then why are you here? Why did the federal government stop Send the you. proceedings, right. hire you to fly down yes. here and ask me to take one level? Because what he's doing is working. And I said, and what you and everybody else out there would have done. Would have said, stay in prison. I said, as far as I'm concerned, Frank's already got 30 months off my sentence. I said, he said four levels. Not to take less than four levels. Not two, not three. Right. Four. So she goes, okay, I'll go back. And she goes back. And well, and we argue a little bit. And finally, she says, like, they come back. They say, we'll give you two. We'll give you this. We'll give, and Frank, and finally they said, look, we can give you two or we can bring you. The U.S. Attorney, Gail McKenzie, said we can, you can take two or you can come back and argue. That's it. You take two, we just file it. You stay in Coleman. You don't get to come back. That means it's guaranteed two levels off, which would have been four years, four, maybe, maybe four, four and a half, something like that. Mm. Maybe five, five years. So I go and I talk to Frank. Frank comes back and Frank said, go, go back in front of the judge. He said that your judge will give you a fair shake. I said, okay. So I tell her, I want to go back. You just believed him on that, Bro. even after your experience. With the- I got people flying down. Nobody's given me any anything before. Mm. Of course I believe him. I believe yeah. If Frank said, jump off, you'll be fine. Jump off the building, you'll be fine. I probably would have said, oh, probably, I don't know. I got, I got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy's getting me. He's only got schizophrenia, but I got a chance. He's getting me listen. somewhere. So listen, I end up going back to court. We get in front of the judge. We argue it. 
the FBI agent comes and testifies. Mr. Cox cooperated. He this. It's not his fault that uh, we didn't the pursue. Wo- the woman. Absolutely. Okay. All right. I, I like have, it. I have no doubt that her – that the U.S. attorney's office was irritated that she'd even given me that letter, mm, yeah. which she shouldn't have given me. So I go back. I argue. We argue. My lawyer argues. Jim Montrum, the guy that I wrote the course yeah. with, he comes. He sits down. Did a fairly good job. Um, it always cracks me up because at one point the U.S. attorney, he was like, you know, people do bad things. People make mistakes. There's a lot of fraud in the industry. People change a W-2, a pay stub. They do this. They do that. And the U.S. attorney said, uh, so you're telling me that it's common for people to make fake people, buy houses, refinance <laughs> them five times, pull out a million dollars and walk away? And he goes, oh, no, no. He was way out of line. <laughs> That's not what I was saying. And I thought – True, but not the response I would have liked. Didn't want that there. So what's what's so funny is when the judge gave me my sentence, when he reduced my sentence, he goes like this. He said, okay. um, Oh, by the way, we asked for like eight levels. Oh, you asked for eight? Yeah. I didn't even know you could go to eight. Oh, you could ask for 50 if you want. But anyway, we were like, we asked for like eight, which would have been like immediate release. Now, did this judge give you anything for the front of a book? For what? Did he give you a quote that's good for the front of a book? I already had that quote. I, this Dude, isn't a that's new. That's Leslie Nelson. This isn't a new judge this time. No, this is my same same judge. You, oh, you always stick with the same judge. Oh shit! Wow. Um, yeah. There's the. We'll put the FBI agent yeah. in the corner of the screen. She was very nice, very yeah. nice, super polite, very nice, absolutely, extremely um, professional person. You got to get her on your pod. I should get her on. You but should. She's a wealth of information. What is she doing? Can you check her LinkedIn real quick? What's she doing right now? And she was out at the Tampa office, you said? I guess she does. Right. Like, she's a private investigator of some type, I think, right? State United no? Democracy Center. Just recently, though. And then she yeah, had her own Arcus business. And investigative group. She had her own business there. Gotcha. A couple of them. Okay, so 23 years in the agent, in All the right. bureau. Oh, wow. She came in right around me. Gotcha. Okay. So what happens is I get – I they take me there. We argue the, the whole thing. And when – after we make the argument, the judge says, okay, Mr. Cox is offering – let's say six levels off. He is – the government is asking for – They, by the way, when they got there, they told me when they got – when they were not going to make an argument for anything. They were going to say, we're giving – putting in one level. That's it. But they argued for one level. Mm. He only deserves you – know, nobody was indicted. Um, so anyway, they say that the government is asking for 30 months off your sentence. Mr. Cox is asking – he said that's not nearly enough for what this defendant has done. He said Mr. Cox was asking for six levels off. He goes, Mr. Cox, that was never going to happen. <laughs> I, I was like – it was like, oh, my God. It was like he slapped me. Um, and so he uh, – so what ends up happening is – how's my hair? Oh, it's fine. Hair so, looks great. So he ends up – Hair jokes, just killing me. So he he ends up. So he, he goes. Oh, he rambles off all the. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to give three levels off, which is seven years. He said, and for somebody who has no indictments associated with this with this case, Mr. Cox, he is that's not a bad. He's that's not a bad deal. And he got up and, and, and left, and that was it. And I was so I remember I was upset. Right. Oh, by the way, Millie, my first lawyer, hmm. she also got on the stand and tested. And I filed what my my 2255 against her was against her, saying she was ineffective. She didn't understand the law. She didn't know what she was doing. She did, yeah. She still came and said, I want to testify. Got on no the stand shit. and said, Mr. Wow, Cox is that's done. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Listen, everybody across the board, decent. Everybody on my side. It was great, right? For somebody who certainly doesn't deserve it. 
So you get from 20, now you're down to 19. 19 and a half. Yeah, 19. Let's just say 19. 19, four years, four months, but whatever. Let's say 19. So what happens is I remember when I left, when I was leaving, like I'm walking out the marshals, right? I'm walking out of the thing. And and I look across the street because they didn't have it at the building in downtown Atlanta. The judges, um, it was some, there was there was some uh, construction. They had it at another area. So when I'm walking across the street, I see Millie getting into her car. And she was like super sad that I only got seven years off, right? And she looks over at me. And I remember looking at her and going, she was like, like this. And I go, <laughs> and I go eh, it's fine. Like, <laughs> she was like, <laughs> so I get in the car, right? I get in the, in the van. They drive me back um, to the U.S. Marshals holdover. They move me all the way back. I get back to prison. I go back to prison. I've been there. Like I get there. I think I got there in the morning or something, whatever. And then, you know, then you go to dinner, we eat. We got there halfway through the day, just before, I think just before five now that I think about it, just before count. So I get out after count, I go eat, I go, and then I go and I find Frank. And I go up to Frank and I said, hey, Frank, I said, um, I got back. He said, I know, I heard. He said, I heard you got seven years off. And I went, right, right. And I said, um, man, I said, I don't, I don't want to be unappreciative. <laughs> I said, but man, I said, I was, I was hoping for more. He goes, I was hoping for more too. He sat there. He went, I really thought you'd get more. And he goes, looks like we're going to have to eat this elephant one spoonful at a time. He said, keep your ears open. Something will happen. He said, we'll get some more time off your sentence. Did you know what he meant by that? No, I, I don't think he knew. I think he was just saying something comforting. <laughs> you know, he's just being Let's a nice. Let's get the jets. You know, you're trying to. You're, he's trying to be comforting. After. He, he, know, you know. Look, I, I. What was interesting about that whole thing was that by that point, it had been seven years. I'd been locked up like, let's say, yeah, about about six years. By that point, by the time I actually got my sentence, I'd been locked up about six years, maybe seven, about seven. Let's say seven years. And I remember thinking. I had about seven to about seven, maybe seven more, seven, no, seven or eight more years left, let's say. I got the math wrong, but whatever. I remember I had about the same amount of time left, right? So I've got whatever, 50, 16 more years left, whatever. I'd done eight and I have like eight more, whatever it ends up coming to. And I had remember, I remember thinking, you didn't think you could do eight when you got here. Mm. You can do, you did it. You can do another eight. Like it sucks, but you can do it. You're writing guys' books. By that time, I had written Ephraim Deveroli's book. Oh, this is already done now. Yeah, it's been – think about it. These are – when these court cases, they said like a year. Yeah. He filed it six months before we got that. They came back. And then it was another six months before I ended up back in court because yeah, we had we'll, to go back and forth, back and forth. So it's a year. And we'll come back to Ephraim, but right. keep going with this part. Right. So, you know, I've been – and now I'm right. I wrote a kid. By that point, I had written a kid's book named uh, uh, Doug Dodd. I got him in Rolling Stone magazine, right? It was a, a book. It was called um, Arm. No, it's called uh, um, the Dukes of Oxy. It's <laughs> a good name. Matt's just... good with like the uh, no, no, like no, the I, salacious name. No, I didn't name it the Dukes of Oxy. I I wrote a book. I wrote what I wrote was a synopsis called Oxy Rush. Mm. I sent it to a bunch of reporters. I got one that was interested. He got he then took that article, slightly rewrote it. And he called, it called it his and sent it to Rolling Stone magazine and had it published in Rolling Stone magazine. Said that my name was going to be on it and a couple of weeks before they published it told me Rolling Stone magazine didn't want to have 
that article, my name on the article because I was a, a in, I was a felon and I was in prison and they didn't want to have be associated with me. I found out later after talking to Sean Woods, which was the editor at the time, my name was never on that article. Mm. Now, my name's in the article. If you actually look down a little bit, this is the Duke's Oxy. I'm actually – that's the kid. Um, I'm actually in the article. Like they talk about how how he sent his prison – he says like he uh, – Doug Dodd and his prison writing partner or something like that um, and the, ended up sending this guy the thing. Um. But yeah, so what happens is I end up getting a book deal for that. So I I, we, I ended up writing a book called uh, um, Gen, uh, Generation Oxy. Hmm. And so we optioned the film rights to the story. Wait, you get a book deal while still in prison, so it's going to get published while you're in prison? Yeah, it was published. It was in Barnes & Nobles. It was it was like a real, like I, I got a I, I got an advance. Like I got $3,500. Like that's a lot of money yeah, in prison. Yeah, in prison you're bone. So um, – so I got that, and that was great. And then we optioned the film rights, so I got a check for like six or seven grand, something like that, um, which is a lot of money. Yeah. Um, what ends up happening is, so I get back to prison, and Frank says something will happen. We'll work on. You know, so we'll bite do off something. the bite off this elephant one spoon. Yeah, at one time spoon at a time. Yeah. So I'm walking around the prison compound, and um, there was an old guy named Ron Wilson. Ron Wilson stole $57 million. There's articles that say he stole like – it's like $100, $100 million. But really the loss was $57 million, right? Because it's a Ponzi scheme. You know, they'll jack up how much he's supposed to have made right. and got back. But it, it ends up being $57 million. So – all right, guys, that is the end of part one of my two-part sit-down with Matt Cox and Special Agent Jim DiOrio. If you haven't already, please smash that subscribe button and hit that notifications bell so that you find out when the next episode is coming out in the next couple days. And yeah, you're not going to want to miss this one. We talk all about how Matt and the Emperor got him out of prison way earlier than expected and the entire backstory behind War Dogs, Ephraim DeVroli, and everything that happened there before and after the movie came out. You are not going to want to miss it. So like this video also before you leave. Really appreciate everyone who watched. And by the way, here's the old studio in all its glory now. Just completely gone. Classic. R.I.P.